Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. What is up, Gypsy gang? We are back for another episode of the Gypsy Tales podcast and pretty pumped to bring you this one. Really good timing. Uh, My guest today, he has been on the the podcast multiple times now and that is with the managing director of XX Global, good mate of mine, Adam Bailey. Uh, we're getting close folks it is uh, I think two weeks out from the first round at Cardiff in the UK Supercross is finally going global once again so got Adam in the studio and crazy timing actually with the uh, the Bubba's World podcast with Ken Roxon that dropped um, and announced that he is no longer going to be writing for HRC and then we see just a couple days later he posts uh, videos of himself on that uh, Yurev Konsky uh, backed program for the World Supercross. So huge news through the industry. Um, and this is honestly kind of how I saw this all playing out. I've been kind of panned in the comments at times uh, with people saying that I'm just super off base. But um, yeah, it's sort of actually playing out like this. So very interesting. Uh, we potentially be at Cardiff, but most likely will be um, at the Melbourne round of the World Championship this year. So excited to bring you guys some content from that. Um, but before we get into the podcast with the great man, Adam Bailey himself, we just need to bring you some messages from the sponsors that keep the lights on. Gentlemen, all men strive for gold in their life. Am I correct? Gold medals, gold watches, gold everything. However, there is a certain type of man who goes the extra mile. He walks with confidence the confidence of an eagle and giggles in the face of danger he is a big hairless winning machine and when he unzips his when he unzips his pants he sees platinum that's right manscaped would like to announce their biggest and best ultimate hygiene bundle the platinum package 4.0 is now available in australia manscaped is the leader in below the waist grooming now trust them with the whole shebang you can join the 6 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping when you use the code GYPSYGANG. Now, I have been doing quite a bit of traveling this year, uh, making up for the last few years of uh, sitting on my hands. Uh, and I have got the Platinum Package 4.0. I got my hands on it early. Um, I've taken it around the world. I'm currently traveling in Perth at the moment, and you betcha, I got it with me. So... 
the Manscaped Platinum Package 4.0 is really the one-stop shop for the man that deserves it all. They've designed this package to allow you to fully align your entire hygiene routine with elite products. Inside this package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker Ear, Nose and Hair Trimmer, Ultra Premium Body Wash, Ultra Premium 2-in-1 Shampoo and Conditioner, the Ultra Premium Deodorant, Crop Preserver, Anti-Chafing Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Ball Toner Spray, Anti-Chafing Boxes, and the Shed Travel Bag to hold your goods while you are traveling. Um, I think that's probably the best thing is that just everything's there. It's easy. Use it in the same order every time. Um, And it just kind of takes all of the thinking uh, out of personal hygiene. And as a man, the less thinking we can do, the better. So again, get 20% off and free shipping with the code gypsygang at manscaped.com. It is your time to enjoy the finer things in life. Get yourself a platinum package for your platinum package. Once again, that's 20% off plus free shipping with the code gypsygang at manscaped.com. Uh, we are also brought to you by the guys at Rival Inc. Design Co. Um, we will post a link in the description to our very own gypsy replica kit that we just did on the 350. But you can chuck this on any bike you like. Uh, just go to rivalincdesignco.com, use the code gypsygang, you're gonna get yourself 15% off. That code is also going to get you dialed at fisthandwear.com. Uh, and we're also brought to you by the guys at MX Store. Um, we've got a build video coming for the old 350, but a lot of uh, the products that we use came from the guys um, at MX Store. Just the other day, we had a set of tires um, that we got from there. But I mean, we've got everything from Ballard's products. Um, what else did we get from the old MX Store? Um, brakes, Moto Master oversized braking disc, brake pads, chain, um, ballards, sprockets. We literally just went there and kitted the whole thing out. The best thing about MX Store as well um, is that they just got everything in stock. There was the one thing that I really got frustrated with uh, when I was buying stuff from other stores is it was like, yeah, we'll order it. And I was like, well, if you order it, I'll just order it. Uh, so now all the headache is gone. I do the click and collect because I'm lucky enough to live near the Burley HQ. Uh, but it's same day shipping if you are outside of pickup zone. So mxstore.com.au, they have got you covered. Uh, we're also brought to you by the guys at Crush Oz. You can head to crushoz.com for the best bike wash in the game. Hands down, bar none, they do everything. Everything from Rotor Revive, they do degreaser, they do chain lube. Um, I would recommend the Bike Care Bucket uh, and we will be giving away a couple of those on Instagram next month. So uh, keep your eyes peeled. That is it for me and the ads. Enjoy this episode with Adam Bailey. Uh, Actually, before I go, if you want to head on over to our YouTube, uh, we just finished doing a pretty cool video with Ben Townley. Um, He came over and did a couple days coaching. That's been doing really well on YouTube, which is super cool to see. Uh, And make sure you subscribe to both our YouTube channels. We've got the Clips channel, uh, which is where that Townley video is on, and then the Full Show channel uh, as well, which is Gypsy Tales Podcast on YouTube. So, Thank you all for listening. Gearing up for a big couple months to end out 2022. I can't believe it's gone this quick, but thank you all for listening. Love you all. Peace. Uh, we're back for Gypsy Towers with Adam Bailey, uh, one of the main men behind Essex uh, Global. Adam's been on a few times before, but we're getting close to the business end of the first round. 
uh, at Cardiff in a couple of weeks. So I thought we'd get you back on, get all the goss, some shit's gone down in the industry. So it's yeah. Uh, yeah, fair bit to talk about. Appreciate it. It's always good to chat, mate. It's uh, it's getting to the, I call it the fun part because you talk about this stuff and work on it for so long. Um, you know, I think as when you get this close, it starts to fall together and it starts to become really exciting because now you know that you know it's going to happen and and you start to get more pumped i think months ago it becomes a bit of a grind because you're just working and working and working but seems like there's no end in sight but now it's all starting to come together which is awesome and so 16 was the first event right 15 15 so you go 15 16 17 18 19 and then we have some COVID years off every year you guys stepped up those events so i'm sure even though you'd done it before the year before the fact that it's bigger more people more money more sponsors it probably doesn't let you rest in that and then i imagine this time it's like you've had two years off since marvel and it's a world supercross and it's a series and like so even though you've done this before this probably still feels like the first time in a lot of ways yeah and and what we're doing is obviously a completely different scale and um in in all levels you know from the production to the obviously the race teams and you know at the same time we're working you know this year was always going to be a pilot season and really to try and get any events up this this year was always going to be a stretch because we only sort of signed the deal to have the fam world championship rights in on i think it was christmas eve yeah right. and so then we um you know started building a team you know literally january started working you know i we obviously had the business in ame that sando and i had you know had and um we had to transition out of that you know as you know moved my family up from melbourne sold a house just bought a house moved into apartment so you know really it was only march when things started to settle in and started to get a team i mean our our cmo mick only started with us um two weeks before we launched cardiff you know so and, and 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 we obviously had good help with with um tony's wife and their business and things to get us started but um you know really the time that we've actually had to build it has been really really short even mm. you know it was would have been short anyway but to build a team onboard staff you know move house build an office which we've done all this stuff and just to, to cram it in and get ready for this year was thinking back it's like a pretty pretty dumb stretch <laughs> but yeah. at the same time we kind of yeah. had to do it and i'm glad we did do it because you know we, we didn't want to wait until you know next year mid next year to then prove what we can do and yeah. you know start the ball rolling because you need to start you need to you need to learn and the the quicker we could get moving the quicker we could learn see what's not going to work see what is and and make sure that next year is our first full season is is completely dialed so so it's going on the right track for that what doesn't transfer over from running the events that you've run to now doing this series like what's the new skills new challenges like what are the holes that you had from that that you've had to kind of cover up this time i mean there's 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 tons of similarities. There's obviously tons that we could take from Ozx mm. Open and take to this new business because it is a whole new business. It's not the same business that was running Ozx Open. It's not AME. Mm. This is Essex Global, which is all new partners and investors, a whole new structure, you know, ownership-wise and business-wise. And AME still operates, you know, out of Port Melbourne. And my wife sort of does the most of the work there. So, you know, like there's there's um, you know, there's similarities and learnings, but main differences really i think is it's, there's the scale but when you you add international logistics when you mm. add um you know the teams and that whole component is a beast in itself to to work through as you know in the process of selecting 10 teams 
working with them, building relationships with them. You know, when we did the Aussex Open, you know, we would bring out, we would have the Australian Championship yeah. and then bring out a couple, a couple of riders of that we, would, riders, we yeah. would negotiate there, have an appearance fee. This is completely different to that. Um, but the biggest kind of challenge, I think, really is just international business and just learning mm. di- different different people different cultures different, different ways markets. of working different markets you know like the way we have to market in cardiff isn't the same as uh, as melbourne and you know um the way the buying habits are completely different so you know as we go into south america next year for example or a couple of events in europe or or the middle east you know how are they going to react to what we do how do we need to market to them how do they even do business like mm. you know um we've got you know we've had some hard learnings this year you know we we wanted to have a third event in asia um, we were told that um, things were great, everything's great for months, months, and, and it wasn't. It wasn't mm. great. You know, it took me to get over there to actually see firsthand and go, this isn't going to work. We're not ready. And, or, or it's too risky. If we mm. try to do this, you could undo all this work and, and we can't afford to start this year with a misfire. So, you know, to make the tough decision to say, we're, we're not ready to go there. And I think that's those learnings and learning how, you know, different cultures operate and different you know um in different regions and things has probably been the the biggest difference which Mm -hmm. is it's a whole beast in itself and i think uh it sort of seems as well in a sense that like i was i was surprised with how much negativity the series has been met with like Mm. did you guys think going into this that this would turn into the i guess like the political shit fight that it has no absolutely not and um you know, I take some responsibility for that because I think, you know, some of our meetings at the start and some of the messaging at the start probably came I across heard. too aggressive. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I mean, you know me, like that's not... Well, it's probably not you. It's more so like Tony in a sense. Well, he's got a different... He's, he's an old school guy. Style, yeah. yeah. You know, he's got an old... He's an old school guy. He's been incredibly successful. Yeah. So we approach things differently. Um, but, you know, like I think we've we've been working since to try and recover that because really you know we came into this thinking we're not going to take from anyone we don't want to take from anyone we just want to build the sport for everyone including the us and we we legitimately and still don't believe that we'll have a negative impact on pro motocross or a negative impact on Uh, um, Supercross. and we never set out to and we don't want to like we're as you know like i grew up watching that stuff i'm a huge fan i've got nothing but respect you know we reached out to them you know had a call with dave Dave prater at the start told him hey we don't want to mess with your series you've got great respect you know etc cetera, etc cetera. but i think still it was very hard to um you know undo some of that you know some of that um messaging at the start yeah obviously if i could turn back time you know some of those meetings and some of those approaches and the way we approach things you know would would um change things i mean um but you can't turn back time so all, all we can try and do now is sort of convert people to try yeah. and get on board with what yeah. we are trying to do which is literally just elevate the sport take it around the world you know, like, why can't these guys be global athletes? Why can't Supercross be an international sport? I, I really, I don't see any reason why not. And mm. I don't see any reason that it has to take away from anything that's there currently. And that's definitely not our intention. Yeah, well, dude, I mean, even I've been lumped into the whole, like, I hate American motocross and Supercross now. Like, I've got this, the craziest comments over the last, like, few months about this whole thing. I'm like, why can't I be for this series and for everything that for this everything, stands yeah. for? for the riders getting the money that they're getting for more choice for if guys do decide to sit out of motocross that opens up seats for other people like i'm just i'm struggling to see the negatives mm. and then 
it's like you don't even kind of it's like we're you're either with us or against us bro like you obviously hates american supercar i'm like the fuck i've yeah. spent five years like pumping this shit you yeah. know like I, I legitimately love millions it and millions and millions of views yeah pumping this shit up yeah. so but like where do you think the disconnect came like where did it start to um i think some of those meetings i think you know at the start i think you know the message kind of went out there like we're going to go do this whether you like it or not and i think it just was the wrong approach you know mm. i think that um you know and and of course we we want everyone on the journey of course we're not we weren't going to be scared away from what we're what we're setting out to do because we believe in it so passionately and we do think it's the right thing for the sport and we do think what we're doing is is what the sport and needs. it's a free market as yeah, well so yeah. it's like anyone can do a race yeah and we weren't doing it we weren't also going to anyone cap in hand to say we want to do this and will you pay us to do it or or you know or you know we had our investment we we had our plan and we were just wanting to execute that plan so i think you know some of that messaging at the start i think there's confusion around our investor you know because they're from middle east but um Mubadala is based out of abu dhabi not saudi i think that you know there's a huge difference culturally <laughs> yeah. with how those two yeah. countries operate and abu dhabi is very very professional it's quite metropolitan now it's um liberal like you know there's well, i think a, a, more people there's like more non-arabic people in abu dhabi than there is and it, like so it's that multicultural yeah and, and, it, and our and our partners and who are on our board uh, are americans and and incredibly accomplished and have done amazing things in the states in business um so i think there was a misconception um you know some we've never actually announced the amount of investment that we've had and we won't but you know there's misconceptions about how much money we have and these guys don't care they're just coming to throw money at everything and do like and unfortunately there's it's correlates with the live live golf yeah true that's a the timing's crazy but there was uh oh there was actually one comment that i saw today that went directly i just lost it uh anyway sorry (laughs) i was just what i was going to say is you know it's kind of unfortunate. There's so many similarities with what Live Golf are doing in terms of the mm. way they want to elevate the sport of golf and they want to attract new fans and they want to do it differently. Like their their ethos is, you know, golf but louder, which I think is really cool and they're doing an amazing job. Um, but the difference with them is that, they, you know, I mean, the money levels are just completely different and I think their approach has been um, really aggressive financially. Well, they've got, they've come in with like, fuck you money and a fuck you attitude, yeah. which I think that... Yeah, people have kind of painted you guys in that same brush. The comment, sorry, was uh, someone said that, oh, and anytime big money outsiders come into the sport, blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, what, where's the outsiders? Yeah. Like 2015, they've been running events. Yeah. And like these people have been coming to these events. Like yeah. it's been, there's been not one flop at any point nah. in, the, in the journey. So it's like, these are motocross and supercross people mm. that have got and fans and riders and yeah. you know i mean you know me i've been riding and racing my my whole life and my dream was just to make an impact on the sport you yeah. know that's really what i'm here to do it's not any particular dollar figure or any particular target is just kind of you know make impact for the better you know yeah. and um so i do think that's been lost because i think we had this perception you know i've been sort of a big corporate with r- ridiculous amounts of money and we don't care we're coming to take over everything it's just not what we're here to do it's yeah. just not what we're here to do we're here to elevate it for everyone and and you know we, we've tried to correct that that message um there's going to be people that are that will be against it no matter what because you know they have a um you know they're they're very happy with the way they're set up in the states and the way it goes and you know again we don't think we're going to impact that and we never plan to impact that all our focus is on 
elevating the sport internationally and yeah. we think there's a massive need for it there's a it deserves to be we think the riders deserve the opportunity we think um it helps open doors like you said you know in, in existing rides in in teams all around the world yeah. um it'll help elevate the sport around the world where where currently practice facilities are lacking you know opportunities are lacking for teams and riders and you know all around the world um and by injecting something like this into like a new region then it, it it's an adrenaline shot for mm. the industry and the sport in that region and yeah. and so there's millions of people that can be positively affected by that um and we just don't want to take away from what's there currently it was never yeah. the plan you know like you said like we said like i'm a, a mega fan of, <laughs> of supercross in the u.s like i always have been and and um so that part came as a bit of a shock. We we're like, whoa, hang on. And it, it could be naive, naive of me, but my approach always is I like to think that everyone can be friends. And I yeah. like to think, hey, like we're here. And, and you know, never in history that I'm aware of has our sport had an investor of the size that what we do have come into the sport, see its potential and want to elevate it like that. And I feel like we all should be seeing that as a huge opportunity as people within the sport. Um, as opposed to it's going to take from anything because I, I just don't think it will. Mm. Yeah, I think uh, it was interesting. So like the, what I, like I obviously am in constant contact with you guys and then and then there's other people I'm talking to and I heard that the there was like the initial meetings that just like didn't go that good. It was like a very different style of like people talking, I guess. Um, but I think that that probably wasn't like the gnarliest part of this. Like I don't think it was until... It's at least for me, like this is my detective, you know, <laughs> mind at work here. But it didn't seem like until Cooper started putting the heat on KTM that things actually kind of got serious for like the legitimate pushback that people started feeling. So I reckon maybe about like May, like early May, Supercross started wrapping up. Coop wasn't doing the outdoors, and then I think that. It seemed like, at least, as soon as he started trying to put a program together, then I think what happened was people at KTM, very connected to people at, um, you know, like the Pro Motocross Series. Obviously, it's a very small industry over there and then Feld. And then they've basically started to see like, oh, so our marquee rider wants to take off motocross so that he can do the World uh, SX Global and then supercross again in in 2023 and it seemed like to me that was kind of the start of it and then now with like the ken rocks and stuff so in my head in the times that i've kind of put out clips and content of talking about this i'm like i i kind of saw that this is the way it should go and so obviously kenny gets his deal pulled this week like in in his words and to me, I'm like, this sort of makes sense. Like, this is what Ken Roxon should do. Like, and love Ken and the man and goes without saying, hopefully at this point, but it's like the results haven't been awesome. And then to hear him say, oh, I heard a uh, Astafin thing where basically said that they asked for the same money that they did in 19 when he signed. And it's like, I wouldn't pay that money if I was Honda. Because they kind of paid him in 19. He's, what, three years younger, ready to win a title. Didn't win the title, like, in any of those years. So, to me, I'm like, okay, this sort of seems like Ken's probably at this point not going to win a Supercross title in America, like, going forwards. I, don't, I wouldn't think, you wouldn't think going off that stock. There ain't a problem with that. Mm. At some point, 
riders aren't going to win championships anymore. James Stewart won his last title at some point. Chad Reed won his last title. There's guys that got second for the last time and then slowly they go downhill. And it's like, I'm not mad at a guy like Ken putting together his own deal, racing some supercrosses in America and then doing his SX Global deal, taking his brand global. Because I think, I was sort of thinking about this a bit last night. You see with like Chad, right? It's almost like he hung on to the trying to win titles thing for maybe a few too many years. And they kind of like burned out the last good years of racing. And then he has that time off. And now you see him, he's got the YouTube channel. And it's like, there was like this five-year grind that he went through, like trying to get back to the top. And it's like, Kenny's kind of in that period right now. Like, let's say he signs for a lesser team and then he's even further away from winning a title. And even further, you know what I mean? Like, you're just kind of getting further away from the goal. So it's like, call it now in terms of like what it is and be like, I'll commit to doing these races. I'll do my own thing. Like, look at the way that, you know, Toby with the right management can race all over the world, make money at every race that he does. Like, I just see this as more of an opportunity for guys and i mean honestly coop might be in that same boat you know like it might be really hard for coop to win legitimately win titles going forward so it's like this to me looks like a really good opportunity to keep racing like kenny could win the world championship and then there is another title you know so i don't know like Mm. to me i just feel like this isn't as bad as what we thought and if you get a guy like coop that's not doing the outdoors like that's sweet i don't know that you need those guys there like the fans were crazy at the mm. races this year they're gonna be crazy in the at, at those races no matter if a couple of the you know supercross only dudes aren't there and then that only gives more of a chance for the other riders that you know might be struggling to get rides or like alex martin you know he retired mm. it's like just be a motocross only dude and mm. race for another five, six years. Like yeah. if there's a spot there. So this whole time I'm, I'm sort of sitting here thinking like, like I get why they're freaking out, but I think that it's just driven this crazy wedge and, you know, mm. pulling contract. And I'm just like, this is getting fucking gnarly. Well, I, you know, the way we've always looked at it and the way I feel really passionate about it is this is an opportunity also to elongate their career. I mm. mean, Justin Brayton's, kicking ass i mean you look at it, he got ninth in the ama championship this year and you know he's 38 years old you know so the reality is that supercross is less taxing on the body than than racing motocross throughout the summer so you know this decision you know i legitimately think it could reinvigorate kenny and he could be like for sure like i'm relaxed i'm enjoying myself you know and and let's go and he's obviously got the speed to you know he's still won the opener this year like he's yeah. he won athlete. two races this two right yeah, yeah, yeah i mean he's amazing so um i actually think it could rather than being necessarily a downward um trajectory it, it could be a reinvigoration where they're you know enjoying themselves traveling but the other thing is you know we've obviously since we started this you know heard so much feedback about the amount of racing they do in the u.s and yeah it is so much it's so taxing so one of the initial you know points of feedback was we don't need any more races these guys race so much etc which I, I agree, like to do 30 races or now, you know, they're taking it to 31. Like that's, it's huge. So there's going to be a point in time for everyone where I think maybe that becomes too much. Mm. Um, but if they switch to a Supercross only 
approach, um, you know, then they may be able to elongate their career. They may be able to invigorate themselves to, or, or be spe- supercross specialists so that they do even better in the US as opposed to spending half the year mm. doing outdoors, you know? So, but I think the thing is, there's no one size fits all for yeah. everyone. It'll be yeah. different for everyone. They're all in different, they're different people, different career paths, different goals and aspirations, different stages of life. Some may decide to skip motocross altogether. Others will do their their time in, in, in motocross around the world because you, you don't, become a supercross rider without doing motocross first so yeah. it's a natural progression so that's why you know the the concept of taking away from motocross i just don't agree with because i because you can't race at a world championship level in supercross unless you've done a hell of a lot of motocross and come through the, yeah. the stages of your career so um you know i, I think that it you know that it should be celebrated that someone like brayton can race for as long as he has because mm. he's really been doing this for a long time already yeah you know he's been doing supercross in the u.s then he'd come to Australia or he'd go to Europe or he'd do, you know, obviously Paris or Geneva or um, whatever races around the world as opportunities to, to make money in, you know, his American off season. And it's been really successful for him and he's, he's enjoyed summer at home with his family. And yeah. I think it's been able to give him a, a longer, more fruitful career by making that call. Um, so I think some people will look at it like that and, and it won't be for everyone. Not everyone's going to, and we don't expect everyone and we don't have room for everyone. So, mm. you know, that's why I just don't think it'll take away from anything. I think it's going to be right for some, not right for others. And, you know, that we just wanted the option out there because I think that it will work for, for some of these riders. Were you surprised at how, I guess, how it escalated in terms of like the lengths that people were willing to go? Like I had calls, I had a bunch of different calls from people that had offers from you guys to work for the series. And even uh, to the point where Feld was saying like, well, it's us or them, you know? And it's like one door opens, this one closes kind of deal. Mm. And it's like that to me, I was like, I mean, there's two sides to it all and I get it. I get both sides, but I'm putting myself in the shoes of like being the person that makes that call. And I'm like, even though I get it for the business side of things, it's like, is that kind of the what we should be doing here you know yeah and i think if it's business decisions um you know i mean by feld or, or promoter cross like we don't hold any grudges against business competition even yeah. even yeah. though again we like to think that we don't see ourselves as that we we would love to and again this may be wishful thinking on my part be allies in a way and be like we're all trying to build the sport and we you know hey feld you guys are going to do us a bunch of favors by running an incredible series from you know january to may we think that we can help you continue the supercross messaging yeah, around yeah, the world yeah. that leads into your next January to May. Yeah. You know, we genuinely feel that that can, that they, we can live harmoniously to an extent. Um, it was really hard and it will be hard or it's impossible not to clash with dates with other championships around the world, which is if you want to be a world championship, we can't, we can't cram it to the back part of the year over a six or eight week, you know, time frame and um and we're running a legitimate world championship long term we can't so mm. you know we wanted to start gently um we probably could have start started more gently with our messaging but um you know we we think that you know there is a way to coexist that's the way we want to say it you know um i mean <laughs> it bums me out to think that like if i couldn't go to one of the ama supercrosses and check it out that like now it'd be it'd be so a big deal like what the hell are you doing here like yeah yeah you yeah. know like the, I would love to watch it, of course. And yeah. if I was, you know, if I could, I'd be watching the donations at Redbud this weekend yeah, because I'm, I'm pumped for it. I think it's yeah. awesome. So, 
that part of it is kind of frustrating and i you know i think a lot of it there's there's 50 and i've been told this you know which i think is true i think 50 there's 50 percent that's kind of like business and competition and wanting to protect you know um, themselves in business which i completely respect but then there's a 50 percent that's kind of like a fuck you guys yeah we're gonna stop you that part bums me out because i'm like again maybe naively i'm like but we're we're friends like we're gonna do this together and like you know what i mean like that part of it i want to change like i want that to come back around to be like you know again everyone's going to do what's right for their business i don't expect every i didn't expect a lot of people to help us but i didn't think there'd be so much energy trying to stop to stop it i I thought like if you had to if you were looking at the sport and its potential that 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 operating in a way that's counter that around the world i think is 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 um is negative so you know and that i didn't expect i i genuinely thought that you know uh, people would say hey you guys are going to invest the money to grow the sport around the world go for it we don't have any money for you because our budgets are spent and i would be like totally understand that's yeah. fine we get that but i didn't think that anyone would be like we're going to stop you from doing that yeah and and you know that's the part we want to try and rectify yeah and i and i think that yeah i mean that's where i guess i understand certain things about of on like a business decision like hey okay we got to draw the line uh, uh, here but yeah i mean there was so many instances where it just seemed like like just legitimately personal and then to me i think that always i mean i feel like it's sort of similar when just anyone from inside the industry shits on anyone because where it's just like what are we doing Mm. like are we is this about me is this about you is this about like the sport in general like and it's really small as you know yeah it's actually really small i know here in australia you know you have this perception that the sport over there is massive and it is massive, you know, in terms of viewership and numbers, et cetera, et cetera. But it's a very small industry that operates in very much the same way as it does here in Australia, just on a bigger scale. Yeah. Um, and if you've got 20 phone numbers in your phone from people with inside the industry, and one of those is Davey Coombs and one of those is Dave Prater, uh, like you're pretty much able to speak to anybody in the entire industry, you know, mm. like it, it is that small. Yeah, totally. And, and, you know, again, we're all on the same team is the way I view it. I think there's there's certain decisions. I, but I also think that, um, you know, I think we all have a responsibility to try and grow the sport to its maximum potential. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. that any decision made or any stance taken should be with that lens. Yeah. It should be like, and I, and I think trying to stop us is anti that. Yeah. You know, to be honest, I, I because what we are doing, we genuinely believe is for the good of the sport, and we need to make sure that's portrayed properly. Um, so, you know, I don't say again, you don't have to support anyone, but I yeah. think trying to stop that, I think, is 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 a negative. Yeah, and I, and I don't think that it makes sense. Yeah, and uh, I, I, what's your take on like the live golf situation? Because I mean, it was something that I commented on very early in the piece, and especially when Liv started getting announced. Like, I could see what was going to happen. As soon as I started seeing the PGA Tour's response Mm. um, to Liv and then the way that some stuff was going on here, um, I was like, oh, we've got... Like, this seems like this is going to be a bigger problem in sports. And I mean, even when me and Sleeter had the discussion on here, it's like, well, is a rider a free agent? is a rider mm. a contract is a rider an employee mm. um and then you know listening to the, the podcast with james ironic <laughs> ironic too that ken decides to give his spiel about 
not letting the fans fucking go on James's podcast. I was yeah. like, I imagine the internals of James during those sentences. I thought it was really cool. I think, it, you know, James is doing a great job at the He's moment. doing a real good job. Yeah, and I, I, thought it was, I thought it was cool. And obviously, Kenny's stance on, on the whole thing, I mean, I have so much respect, you know, for that because... You know, and I think it's smart long term. I genuinely think it's smart. I think that Same, he, he and Steve got together and were like, if we disappoint these fans, this is going to be, you know, a big problem. But also, it was bad for James, bro. Like, people on the ground, every time the whole Marvel, Oz X, SX, like that, any anytime that comes about. up, bro, it is so talked about. You know, that was a, that was a character building in our, in our business careers. That's for sure. That would have been hectic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, a huge respect for, for, for Kenny to make those statements for doing whatever's right for him, you know, and, and, uh, and I genuinely believe that, um, you know, that he, he has put the fans first in this instance. And I think that's amazing. Um, and I think that, and I hope that it just kind of gets the message out there for, for other writers that, you know, I think freedom, you know, I, I get both sides because I get. I get whoever pays him wants to have a, mm. a say, you know, if they want to be any, you know, if they're their employee or they're their asset that they, they deserve to have a say, um, which I agree with. But I also, on the flip side, again, say I still think there's a responsibility to build the sport, mm. do what's right for the fans and, and stopping him racing would have been terrible for the fans. Like yeah. for us, in most, you know, it would be bad for our brand, of course, but in the majority of the case in both regions we've sold their tickets you know what i mean so it wouldn't have had an immediate it would have an impact on our brand but um for his brand particularly and i even think you know for their brand i think it would have had a bigger negative because because there's fans around the world and get back to the reason why we're doing this in the first place there's fans around the world that want to see these guys yeah like english is his second language that blows your mind because you know what i mean like and um but there's fa- millions of fans around the world that will never get the opportunity to go to the US and see these guys compete. And if you're in the US, um, I said this to Jason Wygant the other day, you're so spoiled. You have no idea. Like if you're in California, you see these guys nine or 10 times a year. You can go down to the practice track during the week and check and ride with Austin Faulkner if you want us all. You know what I mean? Like for, for people here and all around the world in other regions, that's ridiculous. Like they, mm. they're like, these guys are rock stars in Europe. And But in the US, you kind of like, well, you know, I get to see them all the time. So, you know, that's the way it is. But it isn't the way it is everywhere else. So we got to, you know, we think it's our our job to and our responsibility to and us as an industry to try and get them in front of those people, to give those people, those hardcore fans that are buying gear, buying bikes, watching the broadcasts, etc., give them the opportunity to see this firsthand and see these riders firsthand. And I think that's a, a fantastic mission to be on. Oh, definitely. You know? And, and I mean, you look to, they're doing 31 races in the US and a guy like Kenny is famous for pulling up in his motorhome and then getting in and out, you know? So it's like, it's even, it's got to the level where they're almost so spoiled in the US for these guys, you know? Like you have the chance to see him 30 times a year that everyone's jaded, you know? It's almost like the fans have forgotten how much exposure they have and like the, the uh, like the market share of you know events and then the guys are fucking jaded to the point where they're like sweet i'm getting him out of home i'm not not even gonna deal with it you know yeah and um yeah i I think it's an amazing opportunity for for you know not only the sport to grow but for the fans and that 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 was the purpose that's why 
we're grinding away doing what we're doing is because i mean we have had the the um i guess been lucky enough to experience what it's like to mm. create that for people yeah and yeah. when you have done that and when you've seen you know kids smiling and parents thanking you and you know because you've invested the money to bring chad reed back home or you've brought out jason anderson or you've brought out these heroes that these kids you know they don't have the ability to go see when you see the smiles on their faces that's why you do it yeah and this is an exciting opportunity to do that all around the world you know in places that they will never get to see them otherwise so Man, i think it's great and you you think about like i know the boots on the ground effect of jason anderson coming here and then dean wilson like you put in a couple years of coming back to to the fans in a in a certain country you, they're lifers bro mm. you know like people here love jason anderson oh, and people here love dean wilson yeah and that investment that a rider can make into you know these other demographics and these other markets i mean it just puts your brand in such a crazy position and i think you're you're so right like i i don't think that Ken was going to get the money from Honda originally. So I think that it was like 20, they wanted the $2019 and then they said, oh, we'll do Supercross only. So I'm assuming they just went, halved mm. it. And then it's like, you're probably looking at 500 and something thousand. And then, no, idea. <laughs> but, no, but like, I'm just in my head. I'm like, you know, you got, if it's like a million dollar, like a seven figure contract. Yeah. And then it's like, all right, we'll do half the season. So I'm assuming maybe half that. So then it's like, mm, shit, if I do the SX global at the end of, 22 and then i do it again in the end uh, in 23 it's like i'll probably make that i'll probably make more you know i'll probably make what i originally asked for and it's like if a dickhead like me can can you know make a living out of (laughs) motocross you know like what can he do yeah you know what i mean so it's like the world is changing to the point where and i mean i said it like ages ago with like jet and with with hayden it's like do you need a massive team and do you need all this shit especially if we're just talking supercross and you're doing a couple series it's like not really man like we're so blessed in motocross and supercross that these guys are pretty much riding stock bikes Mm. in comparison to other motorsports mate for sure we're so close you know like 40 grand could build you the most ridiculous <laughs> you'd struggle to find money to spend on other things for sure on parts on the bike beyond that i believe yeah and so you know i think that motocross this is like the perfect model for it you know like danny rick can't do that no and and that's the thing why we see such opportunity in the sport is because it's an amazing spectacle it's an it's amazing for fans um you, you take a, an incredible motorsport combine it with other entertainment elements and put it in a stadium environment that's what makes supercross so such an attractive proposition um short and sharp and better yet the rider's ability is the number one mm. contributor yeah you know like i've said it so many times over the years but you could put jason anderson on my old bike and he will kill me all day long. It won't matter. It wouldn't, you could put him on a fucking TDR a one ten. <laughs> you know. So what's amazing about Supercross is the athletes are—they're the number one talent. They're the number one contributor to to the result. Yeah. Um. And that's why. And you. And then you grab all that, wrap it up, put it in the stadium, and make it an entertainment package that anyone can enjoy. And I think that's the secret sauce kind of thing, and why it yeah. has an opportunity over MotoGP, over Formula One, because you can't if you if you. You know, Formula One has street circuits, um, obviously, which is an advantage, but you can't 
you can't just put MotoGP smack bang in the middle of the city and then encourage people that have no idea that like they do have to travel out a bit to get to the circuits. You know, you have to yeah, yeah. ask a commitment that in in our case, in Supercross case, yeah. you could be across the road having a beer and be like, what's going on over there? Let's yeah. go. Let's <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's an amazing opportunity for growth because um, it is so accessible. Yeah. Um, and, you know, put it in a stadium environment, again, seats, a roof most of the time, um, your, your girlfriend or your wife or your partner may actually want to yeah. come because yeah. it's easy again it's low maintenance we've had you know 50 60 year old women say how much fun they had at ozx open and you know it's just like the demographic becomes so broad yeah um and that's why the opportunity we think is to grow you know grant grow the following for supercross and motocross around the world by doing this and putting it in stadiums in capital cities around the world you know putting on an amazing show and then people actually seeing them firsthand and, and then giving a shit moving forward who they are and actually wanting to, yeah. to pay attention to it. Yeah, man, it honestly was n has never been as evident to me how rad Supercross is until going to MotoGP at Le Mans. And it's like, mate, unbelievable experience. But I saw the front straight and a few corners and got loose with the crowd. <laughs> and then other than that, I was in... It was in Jack's trailer. Yeah. It's just, it's so fucking hard to get around. It is. And yeah. then you, we watched the race from basically the start straight. And then you're just sitting up watching, watching on the TV, screen. And then you're watching <laughs> the TVs. We actually had one corner we could go back and look at. And then you go to Barcelona Formula One. Dude, we saw one corner. We just had one spot where we went back to. And the rest of the time, I was in the McLaren truck just watching the TV. Watching the TV. So it's like, done it, huh? And then I fucking left halfway through the race. I didn't even stay. Because you don't want to get so that, stuck in because the Because I didn't want to. Yeah, it was just so many people. It was like 400,000 people oh, over like the incredible. weekend or something insane. But it's like, it's so right that to go... Mate, to take my missus to one of those things would just be fucking torture. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like just yeah. to the point where I'm not going to And they're three-day events. So. Yeah, and, and you're there for three days and it's like, and it's during the day, it's hot as fuck. Mm. Like, so Supercross is such an attractive position. And I, and I think that the other thing that I've really kind of harped on about, so like you go to Barcelona or you go to Jakarta or you go to any of these places that have this crazy dependence on motorcycles and scooters. There's Scooter Weekly. Like, <laughs> mate, you know what I mean? So if, like, if there's people out there that ride a bike every day and they would flip through a Scooter Weekly magazine, how dope is Supercross oh, no. coming to a stadium near them? And that's the, that is the debatable topic that I debate really passionately is... Yeah, but in Asia or in Indonesia, for example, they don't ride motocross bikes so much. They ride scooters. It's like nobody care. can buy a Formula One car either. Nah. It's a brand activity. Yeah. And so if you take it to this region, they see a guy ride a Honda that kills it or a Yamaha or a KTM or whatever, then they're more likely to buy that brand on the bike that suits them. Not They might not necessarily buy a 450cc motocross bike, right? They're, not, they're, they're right for very few people. So, <laughs> not even me. <laughs> yeah. And so... You know, like, but that's the way we got to look at it. And that's how Formula One looks at it. That's why Mercedes spends so much. It's to prove their capability yeah. at building amazing cars and technology, not because they're going to sell Formula One cars specifically out of a shop, yeah. you, you know? So that's why we believe going to these new regions is is powerful for the brands. And that's why converting new people to to pay attention and look at it is, is something that will, you know, change the game. Man, I lived in Bali for six weeks at the start of this year. 
and so I was just on the scooter every single day. And mate, the amount of like Repsol, Honda <laughs> liveries getting around, and people that have got monster stickers on their helmet, and people that have got pipes aftermarket <laughs> pipes on their scooter, they froth it. Yeah. And like, if you actually put some boots on the ground, then you'll realise that the fan, like the, these people, just love two wheels. Mm. Jack Miller's second biggest engagement on his Instagram is Indonesia. Yeah. Really. Yeah. yeah. So mean, it's incredible. like it's real, man, and. For, for whatever reason, like people just don't seem to to want to acknowledge it, you know. Mm, and I mean, Indonesia sells between five and nine million motorbikes a year. It's massive. It's yeah. about ten times what they sell in the US. Granted, more motocross bikes. US is is the biggest in the world, bar none. But motorcycles, and they still buy tires. They buy oil. They buy, buy safety equipment. Indonesia is, is you know, I think it was nearly 6 million last year, but it's been as big as nine. India's like 10 million. Yeah. You know, like you're talking massive, massive concentration. Yeah, let's of, get 1%. Sales. Yeah, just get a, let's get 1% get a tiny amount to care, yeah. to, to care about, you know, what we do, um, to care about the brands that are involved and pay attention regardless of them ever buying a motocross bike, they'll buy a motorcycle. And of course, we hope that we'll convert you know a number of people into motocross or buy mini dirt bikes and yeah. you know how that that's how the ecosystem works um but yeah we just see it as far bigger than just a motocross market you know it's like it's like saying uh, that oh yeah people aren't interested in sharks because you can't buy one <laughs> you don't have goldfish week on discovery channel you have <laughs> shark no one can buy a fucking great white shark but it's the apex predator it's the top of the food chain like yeah. people yeah. like lions not yeah. many people can buy them it's <laughs> like i just think that whenever you've got the top level like people are interested in the top level thing like yeah so it's a tour de france like mm. Who's the fuck's ever going to I'm never going to ride up one of those mountains, no, I'll tell you. Ever, <laughs> that's what you want to see, though. Like, you want to be the person that's at the lowest level of that activity and you want to see what is actually, someone is actually capable of, you know? It's mm. like my missus, she was riding the scooter in Bali flat out, right? Zero interest in bikes at all. Mm. Now, because she's been on the scooter, she can look at a MotoGP bike and she like... Have some appreciation. Yeah, she gets it. Like, she can actually watch it. She's like... Mind that. you, riding a scooter in Bali is more dangerous than MotoGP. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, we actually got more skill than them, but... <laughs> yeah. But yeah. it's that, that same, you know, thing. It's like, that's the lowest level of that activity. And then once you can relate, you go like, what? He's dragging his forehead on the ground. Like, how is that possible? And it, it's like a... It's such quick math for people. Mm. And I think that that's where there is so much excitement. So to go to to places like, yeah, Indonesia and India and all of these places where motorcycles are the main form of transport and yeah. Scooter Weekly is one of the biggest selling <laughs> magazines. It's like, that's where we need we to We need be. to get the PR team under that. Um, I mean, and, and, and I, I mean, I've never met anyone in the world and I, I'd be shocked if you ever did meet someone that saw Supercross and were like, man, that's pretty lame. Yeah. <laughs> no one. Yeah. Like MotoGP athletes the same, Formula One athletes the same. There's no one, if you took them in front of it, wouldn't be blown away by what they do. Like, yeah. it's impossible not to have... It's like, you know, same with MotoGP for me. Like, you have an immense amount of respect for what they do, regardless if you ever want to race a road bike, which I don't. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, so I look at it and go... Jack Miller is a fucking Psycho. legend. That is incredible. Yeah, yeah. And so Supercross will be the same. People will see it and be like, this is unbelievable. Like, I mean, I watched it on TV a couple of times. I saw it, but I didn't realize how big the jumps were, how full on it is. Like, how do they do that? And it's superhuman and it is, but you got to expose them to it. 
you know, for them to get the opportunity to actually, you know, be converted like that. Yeah, no, completely agree. Uh, one thing I found interesting with the Kenny chat as well, uh, and it's something that me and Sleater went back and forth on, was just about like the legalities of the contracts. Um, and especially... Because so Sleater's pretty much saying like, well, everyone's locked up with their deals for 2023 for the most part. And I was like, true. But I wonder... And I think Kenny's contract kind of half speaks to this. Like, we've got a little bit of insight into it now. The fact that Feld has now come out and promoted across with the new Super super Series, whatever it is, like, you've changed the races. Mm. So, for a guy that's signed a deal to race X amount of races here, X amount of races there, and then be done, I'm actually sitting over here being like, I bet there's some lawyering that could take place there. I mean, I bet that there's some, like it, it probably isn't specifically worded. So then that's when a lawyer goes in and says, this is the clause, this is the clause. This, and then this is how we're kind of out of this. Then, you know, that's when you get some lawyering take place. But I think Kenny's, uh, Kenny's interview kind of spoke to that a little bit where he's like, it's not in my contract that I can't do these races. Um, and, I've committed to him and now I'm going to stand with that commitment. But I wonder with, and I think if these events are as, as good as I feel like they will be, if maybe people will look at these deals and go like, mm, I don't know about this whole super motocross thing. You know, like I said it in the Townley podcast that it seemed crazy to me when I heard one of the uh, spokespeople for Feld come out and say like, we've listened to the riders and we, we all know that what they want. And then it's like three sentences later, we've added a race and we've extended. And I'm like, um, what rider did you listen to? I don't know. I mean, Which it, one? Because yeah. I don't know any of them that have ever said, please extend our series. No. And please I, keep us here. And that was obviously the message given to us, you know, at the start, the immediate pushback because we don't need more races. These guys are already stretched. They already get injured too much. So, you know which we agree with. Like I said before, it's a massive, massive commitment and a massive, massive season. So, um, you know, I thought that was interesting because, um, you know, my knowledge or my, my um, what I'd been told was that they didn't want more races and the industry didn't need more races. They needed to maximize what they have and, and all of that. So I did find that sort of interesting, but... And so those, if we unpack it a little bit with a tinfoil hat on, <laughs> it's like... <laughs> They've got the Supercross series and then they've got... So, did they take a round off Supercross? I'm not sure. Can Honestly, you look up the series for us, Griff? Because I just I haven't fully, fully looked at it. Uh, whatever the 2023 catalog, uh, catalog uh, schedule is going to be. Um, but So, it's like they, they do the Supercross. Maybe they either took one round or took one from motocross, but then they've added... So, essentially, they've extended the season, even though is it maybe it's one more race more or... I think so. Yeah, but essentially, like, and this is what Townley was saying as well, like, they've extended the season now because you don't really get those periods of of break that you would. And they've basically even kind of made it that you've got to do X amount of motocross races to be eligible to do the supermoto thing. So it's like, it that whole deal looks pretty well like all right how can we lock these guys into doing supercross and motocross and then having conflicting dates for um that series so i guess in my head when i saw the way that that all played out 
that it was just like, oh, okay, this is a very obvious um, what we're trying to do here. But I actually think if guys really took it seriously, that, that that's probably something that could really fuck Feld and pro motocross is that a lot of these contracts I just don't see. Like if guys did want to get out of them, theoretically, I could see them getting out of them pretty easily now. Yeah, I don't know. And I, I think, you know, what is great about, you know, what, you know, Kenny you know doing what he's doing for the fans and what's right for him is it obviously just challenges the norm and i think that's what that's where there's apprehension from people obviously because you know it's been a certain way for such a period of time and you know he's perhaps been a catalyst for for change and as have we by doing what we're doing which not everyone is obviously you know wants yeah um so you know it's really interesting it'd be really interesting to see what happens moving forward and and you know how contracts are written and i think like i said before it's going to be different for everyone people are going to you know want to do just supercross there'll be riders that just want to do motocross there'll be people yeah. that want to do supercross motocross in the usa some will do mxgp some will do you know well just world supercross or some will do you know a combination of all these different things and so i think that freedom of choice for the riders is great because again they don't all there's no one size fits all and again i go back to justin brayton he's sort of done that tailored yeah. his season what suits him suits his family suits what money he can make and suits his lifestyle and he's done that for quite a number of years and i think you'll probably just see more of that um and that that's probably that free agency type model but but um yeah i think that the riders will sort of adjust their season to what suits for them where they want to be and how how they want to spend their year kind of thing and i hope i hope that regardless it opens up doors for them and and provides longevity in their career again like i say justin brayton even you know chad now you know um you know it sort of i hope it gives longevity because people are able to make the choice whatever's right for them righto ceo adam bailey is back (laughs) (laughs) sad to take a call um yeah so during your call uh round in the world we pulled this up super motocross world championship created featuring 10 million dollar purse uh beginning in 2023 motorcycle racing will crown a new champion um with the announcement of a partnership between feld and mx sports um, the purpose of this championship will award $10 million in prize money, making this the richest payout for either sanctioning body. Uh, the first championship will end on October 14, um, 2023 at Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum in Los Angeles, which it's pretty cool that they'll be racing at the Coliseum again. Um, just trying to pick out anything worth noticing here. Um, so go down, Griff. It's mainly like the dates, and so I'd be interested just to know more about. I actually don't think they have fully announced the dates, right? I don't think so. I think the the prize money structure as well. Um, I mean, that definitely. So they announced released. that there's going to be X amount, but they haven't announced how it's going to be how it's going to be spent. Yeah. Um, are you guys all black and white on that stuff at at this point? Like everyone knows exactly prize money and stuff like that. Yeah. What's, what's the sort of rough breakdown for a uh, for a round? Uh, it's two fifty k in prize money. Yeah. Um, which uh, US, which is broken down. I want to say it's forty thousand, thirty, twenty. Yep. In the four fifties and 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 continues down, and then in in the two fifties it starts at. Gosh, I'm I'm I've sort of forgotten, but I think it starts at twenty or thirty, and yep. then yep. and then goes down in sort of a similar breakdown. Yeah. Um, the the unique thing we did about it was we it goes to the teams. So I don't know whether it's changed anything, but it allows the teams to negotiate a different structure with their riders as to who receives the prize money or who doesn't or, you know, um, the purpose of it was because it goes to the teams and then they can decide how it's distributed 
from there. Yeah. Most I assume are just passing it straight to the rider that won it. But yeah. it does allow someone to, to negotiate it in a different way because um, they might say, I want a bigger guarantee and I don't care the team gets the prize money. Yeah. I yeah. don't know. They, they could. Yeah. Or someone might say, I'm willing to back myself, pay me a lot less as a sign-on fee and then give me the lion's share of the, yeah. the team team's prize money. So, yeah. I'm not sure what has actually transpired because we don't know everyone's individual yeah. contracts. You know, we don't get visibility on that. But, you know, we just thought it was a cool way to mix it up and give that option anyway. Yeah. Um, actually, before uh, this skips my mind, with the Live Golf PGA and then um, Feld AMA SX Global, like what similarities have you seen? Um, is there any lessons you guys can take? I think it's a different structure because you guys aren't just coming in with like, like I said, the fuck you money and the fuck you attitude. Like you guys are actually trying to work in with, you know, different people and allow people to go across from series to series. Whereas this seems like the PGA and Live Golf seems like the most extreme case of like how this could go down. Mm. Have you been watching it closely and sort of seeing the the landscape and the whole geopolitical like landscape of it all? Yeah, uh, yes and no, sort of. Like, I mean, it is very different because they they like they wanted to just go head to head and just like mm. you know, f you, this is what we're doing, and we're going to just take everyone away, and that was it. Which you said at the start that wasn't our intention and isn't our intention because i don't think that necessarily it's probably not the move no nah, and it's not it, again it isn't best for the riders and best for the sport you know i don't think you know and we keep taking ourselves back to you know you know what do we genuinely think is best for the sport and best best for the riders and i think if we continue that in our mission which is we just keep saying to elevate the sport globally for the benefit of the riders the teams um and the fans yeah you know, we just take ourselves back to that and go, what is that? What are we doing this for? And what's the best approach? And we feel confident that our approach is, you know, talks to that. I think a super aggressive kind of approach, you know, uh, that I mean, it wouldn't, we don't have that sort of money anyway. And it's just not our, you know, we didn't set, we set out a business plan when we started this yeah. that we're sticking to. It wasn't a kind of like, I feel like they, um, it's just open, check win it all costs. Whatever it takes. Yeah. yeah win it yeah. all costs. That's, yeah. I mean, we believe that, you know, we have the right plan in place that will succeed, but we're here for the long term, you know, like this is not a, it's not a, it's not going to succeed or fail this year, you know, like it's going to be, um, you know, we want to build momentum quickly, of course, but, um, but we've got a longer term view. And again, yeah. like th this is a, a huge amount of passion involved in this and a huge amount of, um, it's not just, um, it's not just come and make a quick buck, you know that's far from that so yeah. you know we want to invest in and do what's going to be sustainable long term i don't i don't think i don't i'd love to know live golf's actual business model like because how do you sustain just paying all that money you know i mean maybe they just don't care it's got heaps of it they've got heaps of it it's absolutely of it. but you know like at some point it's got to become commercially viable right like i don't it has even to. think it does though i mean maybe they don't care i honestly like i honestly just don't think that they care like some of the I mean, we were watching, uh, we were watching some documentary stuff on like how Dubai was making the islands and like the the palm, what's it called, the palm Jumeirah, and then they started like they started making the palm Jumeirah, and then we're just like, this is going to be the best thing in the world, and then instantly they started making five other ones, <laughs> and it was just like they didn't even finish that, like pretty much they've only finished one, but it's just like it's almost like they just didn't give a fuck. Yeah. It was just like. $10 billion, $10 billion, $10 billion, $10 billion. And then they, they were like, righto, we'll woo up a little bit. And, you know, so it's like to have, 
I just don't even know if people can fathom like the kind of just cash that they've got you know like even australia's got like heaps of debt america's got heaps of like there's countries that just like run in a completely different way and those those countries like people don't even know the money they have and it's like when you're talking like billions and billions and billions like trillions of dollars like i just don't know if they need to make it viable so you mm. guys are in a, like a very different very different that would be that fun sense. though Let it me tell would you. be fun <laughs> but i think you're seeing what can happen when you yeah. got that kind of money like live yeah. goals fucking dope yeah it, it is i mean i think regardless of the money they're doing an incredible job because the content they're producing they're revolution revolutionizing the way the game is played like you know you see the press conferences and there's there's they're cracking jokes and it's just i mean my for my personal taste it's more I, I, it's more on brand for, you, for yeah, me and what yeah. i really like yeah so you know i think they're doing a fantastic job in that sense they got incredible incredibly smart people there regardless of the money they're doing a great job yeah like money isn't enough to no, pull off you still got to be off. good yeah, and yeah. they are doing a great job they are very very smart you obviously money helps you <laughs> there's no question but um yeah i mean for us it's been a, a proper business plan pitch you know, this is what we want to deliver over, you know, five to 10 years. This is the plan and this is what we're going to do. You know, at this point in time, we've we've faced more resistance than what we expected, you know, being honest. Um, but we still will stick to the plan. We'll stick yeah. to what we set out to do. We, we believe that the mission is right and the vision is right and we've got the right people to do that. Um, and that's sort of all you can focus on, you know, yeah. like, you, I'm, you know, it would be way too stressful to be worrying about what everyone's saying and, yeah. and, and thinking about this big war and this fight. Cause that's not, it's not in my nature, certainly. And it's not the way I want to live my life thinking about how I'm going to F this or F that. Yeah, or yeah, that. That's, yeah. I don't, yeah. that's, I'm not interested in that, but if we keep coming back to what our mission is, what our vision is, our goals, doing this for the fans, the sport, the athletes, take it to a global audience and making sure all our decision-making comes off the back of that, then I think we'll succeed long, you know, long-term. Yeah. Um, and I honestly do think it can be as part of the overall, yeah. you know, um, sport. It doesn't have to be, you know, at the sacrifice of another, in my opinion. Yeah. So I guess what are some of the things that you're personally super excited for? I mean, in the last couple of weeks, we're sort of starting to see that old AME, you know, media machine sort of start to gear up a little bit. I saw a cool clip with Jace Owen yesterday. Um, and then Kenny posted, or you guys posted a clip of Kenny this morning. And I think that right there in that Jace Owen clip, do you want to pull that up, Griff? Go on the SX Global Instagram and then just pull up that clip. Because I think that this is a really, uh, also actually before you do that, click in that. We can't allow this, Adam. What about it? <laughs> Adam? We cannot allow that to be on the start line of the race. Right? Who, <laughs> who has? I don't know about that. I think that, it's eh? a, you I know. I think there's a lot going on there. There definitely is, but <laughs> they've got multiple different brands. Yeah. So they've gone for a um, which a, a, you know, a brand agnostic approach. You know, I love what those guys are doing. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you saw they had it. They branded up in NASCAR on the weekend for yeah. the Brist Bristol race. They did it off their own back. Literally, well, yeah. like Rick Ware texted me on thursday our time and was like hey we're going to brand the car this weekend at the bristol which i've, I've been to that race that's it's a, a bloody huge race, event huh? yeah and, and we're going to do it like this Are you cool with that i'm like yeah yeah <laughs> absolutely that's amazing we had you know great tv time you know for the world supercross championship so you know i'm all about shaking it up yeah you know and i and think that's a great thing but 
Maybe this graphics hits a part of it. It's definitely maybe, it's maybe, shaking it up. The ma- fact that we're talking about it, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. worked so far. Maybe I'm like finally entering the era of like old. <laughs> yeah, this maybe. is going to be me from now on being like, ah, fucking back in my back day. Back in my day. Like that yeah. thing doesn't even have a metal tank. What the fuck? Yeah, I, I just look. I just don't know about that specific color combination. Um, I think that the green probably has to go. Understandably, it's a Kawasaki. Um, I think we've got to do something about that. Um, but look we'll make sure your feedback's heard yeah sorry Rick so Rick where is NASCAR he has a NASCAR team an IndyCar team and a it's called IMSA team which is kind of like a sports car team yep. and now the Supercross team so he's a, just a motorsport like guru just a guru he's yeah. a nut yeah he's that's fully so into it. super passionate like I said sent us through the artwork on Thursday it was like we're going to do this and, he, and I don't know if you, you knew but he put all the other team's logos on the car too wow what a G what yeah a just to dude. be like hey we want to do this for everyone that's sick. I think it was really cool yeah go to go to his Instagram let's try and find a picture of that that'd be sick to see that yeah um, Rick Ware racing yeah so sorry about um, talking shit on your bike there Rick but look in the in the uh, spirit of just you know Oh, speaking my truth yeah that's right that's what you do right um let's find there that is, oh that's she is. it's There's so Ricky with it there it's so dope man when yeah, i saw that got all I the was... team logos there you know i thought it was it was cool Pete... and i mean the car looks sick and we got tv coverage and it you know and i mean nascar is one of the biggest sports in the u.s so it's yeah. pretty, pretty amazing i thought um pmg what team's that pipes motorsport group so okay. so it's was hep you know yeah yeah it's dustin yep, yep. pipes it's his yep. brand yeah. Um, so he set up a new entity for World Supercross. So what was the conversation with Rick Ware the first time? Can you follow them for me, Griff? Um, what was that conversation like? I mean, that I, I think that was kind of the model, you know, that you wanted. You wanted people from outside the sport to come in with other racing backgrounds. And then there was a specific business model on your end around the teams getting paid to be there. Um, so when you've got a guy like Rick Ware that calls you and says like, we're interested, I mean, how does that conversation go? And is it exciting? Cause that's almost a proof of concept at it, that point. It, it did. It was a, a proof of concept, um, as was MDK, you know, in the same way, because, you know, he has, has a motorsport team, but has had a supercross team in the past. Um, where, and so has Rick actually. So, you know, it was a proof of concept in that way. What I think is the proof of concept that I like were two things. One, I, you know, I like that Rick's got different manufacturers. And I love that too. Because it's kind of yeah. interesting and it's yes. like... That's important, I think. Yeah, it is important because it's like, you know, he selected the bikes that work for the riders that he's got, which I think is really, really cool. And it's just different. You know, yeah. I think like what we're excited about is it's different. You know, we, we never, again, set out to be the same and just take Supercross around the world. What we set out to is to create something different, different, different formats, different team structures. And I think it's something that's interesting. Um, but what you know resonated with me and and basically all the team owners to be honest but including rick is just this this passion this belief like i believe in this thing i think it can be that's why they're the right teams because yeah. i believe that it can go around the world i think like you know this thing could be huge and we're with you we're with you on the journey and that's the feeling that we're getting from all of the team owners yeah and that is what, what solidifies that they're the right ones i mean him doing that solidifies to me that you know he's committed to what we're trying to do he could have done that he could have given that car to one of his other existing paying sponsors as for a, a sweetener for them yeah and um for a huge race and he's he's done it for world supercross because he believes in it and I've, i'm hearing this quite consistently that they believe in they want all teams to succeed they want the whole thing to grow 
you know, generally speaking, the, all the team owners see the benefit for all of the teams for them yeah. all to succeed as opposed to like, well, fuck them. Oh, I just want to win. It's like, it's not that. It's, yeah. it's like, you know, they don't all love each other and it's going to be interesting because there'll be, you know, clashes and fireworks at times for sure. But there is this mutual understanding and agreement that this is for the sport and we need everyone to succeed and we're on this journey together, which that's what makes me pumped. Yeah. And I think that the, yeah, the, the big thing of having different manufacturers under one tent, I think just really goes to show the kind of way that you can build a program around uh as for you know for a guy like kenny i mean and he's he's talked constantly about how he doesn't like the honda it's like okay well, what do you want then and i think that um you know like the the mdk team's all on ktms but i think that they've got an agnostic livery well josh grant's on honda oh is he can you go to the does mdk have a like a team page mdk motorsport yeah so it's funny griffin roans actually were uh coming in every day being like chad signed into mdk like before it come out yeah I'm like what the fuck are you talking about and then uh they were going in to seeing who people were following yeah. <laughs> so like you'd see on the like a week before they really announced, that's yeah, that right, that's chad Reed. i love their setup too because i think again manufacturer agnostic all about the team logo and the team branding even the fact that you know some of the guys like the gear is full yeah um mdk gear like i think is cool like i don't yep. know i just think it's different again and that's what we want to set out to do is is you know again not take away from anything but do something different yeah build something new and i think that's um you know a proof proof of that there and i think it makes it exciting and interesting well and if you look at um so we've got bogle and we've got grant and then what's the who's the third that Derek drake so You've got Bogle, Supercross champion, who goes into the 450 class and has like decent results, but it's just not there to be a championship guy, and it's hard to justify that investment. Should he be done? Of course not. And he's got amazing no. flair, amazing personalities, and amazing character. One of the coolest guys in the sport. Exactly. I mean, you need people like that to, to have their career continue on. Yeah. Same like a Colt Nichols, obviously, racing with Rick Ware. Like... Like these guys are way too good, way too talented and way too charismatic, cool, you know, um, aspirational to not have them racing because they can't get, you know, a, a good enough deal in any particular country. So, yeah, I think that's what makes it super exciting. Yeah. And, and yeah, completely. Like you just, you can't have... And him a, racing a 250, I think is amazing. Back, yeah. And that's probably where he should be. You know, it's like not we'll everyone see, yeah. is going to be able to be a 450 supercross champion and then you've only got a certain amount of lifespan to prove you basically you signed to a 450 for a factory team and it's like you're either going to be the known b dude that supports the kind of the a guy and then you're there for a few years you bring other shit to the table and then you know you kind of then you get moved on but as soon as you're a guy that is bought into the cha the team to win a championship and you don't win and it's like okay well you're not going to win and i think that that's kind of what's happening with with kenny you know what i mean but it's like that cannot that cannot be a death sentence no and and because it happens to everyone of course at some point and that but it happens to people and they're young guys like yep. 30 years old is not old no you've got a whole life to live in a whole career and you know opportunity to make money and you know, I think it's uh, it's a brutal sport because it is such a young man's sport, but it doesn't have to be yeah, as no. brutal. Yeah. Where 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 you know, charisma and cool factor and fan appeal. Dino Wilson, another perfect example. Such a cool guy, so fucking awesome for the fans. 
so awesome for the sport. You don't want to lose him because no. because the opportunity's not not there for him anymore. You yeah. know what I mean? Or yeah. he's not, you know, or for whatever reason, a young guy comes up and he gets pushed to the side, and it's like it shouldn't be like that. And um, but what I also love about what these guys are doing and putting you know Bogle on the two fifty, I think like it's a really cool strategy play from a team perspective because what we've created obviously is that the teams there's a teams world championship yeah so you may see teams put really good guys on 250s to boost their points out of that Mm. class as opposed to it all being about the 450 stack in the 450s yeah yeah so i think that's interesting because like it will have value for those guys for the team to win the championship not just the individual rider so i think that's and there's a monetary incentive there there is because the prize money game is a pool that goes is, into the team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. there is. So they may, again, it, it could be a strategy play. Like Shane McElrath riding the 250 for Rick Ware. Um, you know, these guys have got Bogle on a 250, you know, super established rider. So, that, you know, doesn't mean that they can pull more money in for the team because they're putting someone in there strategically or gain more points, you know. I mean, they got Cole, uh, Cole Seely on a 250 with um, Moto Concepts. Like, yeah. These are some seriously good guys on 250s. <laughs> no. You know? Um, so I think it, I like it. It's just, you know, points of interest, really. And so who else we got team wise? Maybe look up Moto Concepts because, uh, I mean, that's they're probably going to be one of like the coming in straight away, one of the most established teams, uh, I guess. The the MDK thing, How was there any like controversy of him like leaving? the sport like originally was there any kind of fallout there that you you can remember because that was sort of like i've kind of heard some things but i haven't really looked too into it um not really very minor a couple of a couple of things were kind of said on social um about the exit of the sport but um you know knowing a little bit more about it like i think um you know it's just business whatever happened was just business i don't think and and knowing these guys and then spending time with them they're really good people you know so for me it kind of like clarified that point yeah you know? it's kind yeah. of like these people are great people like they love the sport they're into the sport um do you again, know what they've been doing in the gap um well well mark um Kwame is a, a really successful venture capital guy oh, okay. so he's very very busy um but they've set up mdk motorsport as a it's a it's a porsche racing team yeah so he races himself he raced Le Mans this year oh wow like legit racing and they have legit you know drivers racing in their team so that's where that focus came yeah came about for them and that's what they've been doing yeah um but then you know when this came about um nick way is close to them has been this whole time since back when he mm. used to race for them well that's and, a good sign then and he connected yeah, us. He, yeah, he, called, yeah, he, he you yeah. know he he contacted me and was like you know mark would be interested and you know as soon as i spoke to mark it felt the same way like yeah these okay. guys are into it they yeah. get it yeah they want to see it succeed um yeah, Very I feel like if you're guy. still cool with Nick Way, then that probably any of the internet stuff's probably bullshit at yeah. that point because yeah. he's like a fucking dude. Yeah, he's a he's a great guy. So, yeah, and uh, they're again another good asset. And, and these guys with um, you know, Moto Concepts again, so passionate, unbelievably passionate. Like Tony Alessi is God, he's so passionate. He's a G. <laughs> totally. Um, but straight on, straight into it. Yep we're in you know let's do this you know voice their opinions which i think is great in a productive way went out to get cole which i think is amazing it's, it's going to be in, again incredible for the sport because he's, he's got fans all around the world that have yeah. never seen him too yeah and frankly left the sport too early like yeah. you know like it's it was a shame to, to have lost him from the sport when we did so yeah well you look at his championship battles with jason anderson and then jason anderson's still right there yeah totally now he's i mean 
it's going to be interesting. I think. I mean, he's legit. So yeah, it's going to yeah. be pretty cool. Uh, the the MDK thing was interesting on a personal level because that was JDR basically just bought that entire operation. Right. I didn't know that. Yeah. So that's why I was kind of like a little bit curious about where it all come from because when we went over there, that that team basically stopped in like the GFC, basically like yeah. the height of that whole you know the u.s yeah. downturn in and it the, makes sense right venture capital yeah. heavily involved in business of you know uh, um i mean mark was one of the um original investors in linkedin for example like they yeah. know, heavily involved in business and they do amazing things um sometimes yeah. in that business world shit just goes on the chopping block i'm sure you just gotta sell. yeah i mean gfc hurts lots of people in lots of areas and lots of businesses and it just yeah. you know for whatever reason at the time it wasn't sustainable and as we know like racing supercross in the way they traditionally do is expensive and, and yeah. there's only very few teams that can financially make it work. And so and back then there wasn't a model for teams really to make money. No. And in Supercross, no. it's still the same way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's, again, why we wanted to set out to, to change that because you don't want to lose these great assets, be it teams, yeah, riders, yeah. what have you, from the sport because they get churned and burned and moved out, you know? Yeah. Um, so but mdk had a legit operation like, yeah totally. they were podiuming supercrosses with uh tommy Searle. you had nick way that was on that team justin brayton come through that organization maybe ryan morris even before like yeah. he went so i mean that was a extremely legitimate and they made it work on ktms before a lot of other people were making yeah. it work on ktms yeah as well. it's so true it's yeah. exciting and i think that yeah, you just see like the livery and the way that they've got the, the gear. It's all like, that's good to have them back because they were a very like legitimate organization. Yeah, a great contributor, you know, to to the sport really. And that's what all of them, I genuinely believe all of these teams are, you know, they there's so much passion, you know, which are, again, like I spoke to all of them multiple times in the lead up you know and that's really what resonated the most because this is a journey it's a it's a business where you you know you're going into business essentially with these 10 stakeholders um and they can they can have a huge impact on your success um so you want them to be people that are that are forward thinking that are innovative that are willing to push the boundaries that are willing to do things um you know to change the sport for the better and be on the same team you know yeah. whether whether we all agree or not you know, there's obviously like any business, there's times when we don't all agree and we'll debate things out. As long as it's productive and moving forward, like I think that's a great thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so then Moto Concepts, we've got Vince Freeze, Justin Brayton and... Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low- and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. Cole Seeley. Um, so 
powerhouse team. Yeah, huge. Right there. Huge. Um, and Mitch Oldenburg. Oh, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> so Vince and Brayton on the 450, Oldenburg and Cole on the 250. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're a slick operation, those guys. I mean, they obviously, they're already set up to do Supercross only, so they were, like, all over it right from the beginning. It hasn't been as much of a scramble for them. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think locking in Cole was a really smart move, and they've got a huge amount of attention, and he's, you know, super popular. And, you know, I've had a couple of phone conversations with Cole, and he, he you know, genuinely believes in what we're trying to do and thinks it's going to be great for the sport, and, and he's excited, and that's why... Again, he's one of the right people, you know, one of the people we want involved. Yeah, no, definitely. Click on the WSX vid there. Just to... I haven't watched this one, I don't think. I enjoy racing hard, and I think there's some fans oh, do that you? like that and respect that. that <laughs> you got to watch this one. It, Is this good? Yeah, I'm going to keep riding my way. I think the World Supercross Championship is going to bring the most exciting sport in the world, in my opinion, all over the world. People are always gonna it's kind of good you guys have been. Oh, absolutely. As much as I've been extremely critical at times of his... Uh, but that's why you need him. 100%. never want to be dirty. I never want to see any one of these guys get hurt. I'm just a guy that's <laughs> never racing be for dirty. a living. And we just want to do the best we can every night. You know, we, we spend five, six months before we even get to the race. Just lap after lap after lap. I'm not just going to roll over when I get to the race, right? This is when it starts to feel real, eh? Not enjoyed it. Yeah. Looking forward to being one of the guys. Those new fans are coming to watch and going to put on a good show for them. I mean, I love it. I'm, I'm, I'm. Yeah, it gets you there. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Because like, we want again different personalities. You don't, yeah. we, you know, this is professional sport. We want people that are hungry to win and they give a shit if they win or, or not, and are, you know, and they're passionate about that. You know, I think that's again what's amazing, what's exciting for me with this. You know, compared to say AusX Open, you know, when we've paid international riders to come, you know, they're getting paid to come. They're not as hungry to win. Yeah. Granted, yeah. you know, you know, it's they want to win. Safety, they want to win because yeah. they're they're still males and they're still you know proud. But in this case, it's like these dudes are legit hungry to win, and they, there's there's great prize money on offer, but there's the potential for you know international recognition, etc., and a world championship. Which this year it's only a couple of races, but it will continue to to grow and be more and more um you know have more and more sort of equity to it um but you also want you know people you want riders that people are either going to love or hate like it's really really yeah. important that you have that level of passion and it, i mean you see ufc and how amazingly they do that it's not about all having the whole bunch of a field of vanilla team owners vanilla riders and they all get along and pat each other on the bum and it's all great that's not what this is about yeah, yeah. you want people to get there have and, some uh, cats amongst the pigeons yeah totally and you want people to legit want to win and be passionate to win um so i think vince is a great character to have because he obviously is that so i was thinking last night 2023 world sx coop versus ken that's what we need can you, <laughs> you, like, you, you speak, to, to, speak to your people and, and make yeah, it up. yeah yeah well you got two guys i think about rivalries right because that is the core of the sport you know yeah. people want to even like a rider d versus danger boy it's like 15 year old kids and everyone's like frothing on this rivalry totally and then you know you had chad and ricky and james and you you know everyone always says like no oh, you'll never see that again you'll never see that kind of rivalry and then it's like we got you will we got 100%. coop and kenny like they legitimately have that kind of rivalry they'll be pretty much the same speed next year if they both do sx global that's like people 
whether you're a hardcore AMA person or whether you work for fucking one of the teams over there that's like not pumped on this, you're going to want to watch those two boys for, you know, find themselves again in their career and just have this insane season-long battle that they always do. Like, there's so many storylines that can come out of, you know, this new championship. And I think that it's one of the gifts of your company is really caring about telling those stories and taking the media side of it extremely seriously. And I really hope that um, we can get our hurlings tomac one-on-one thing off the ground i feel pretty good about it but one of the one of the exciting things for me is i'd be like oh, i get to go balls deep into like telling that story because mm. i mean for me that's where the juice of this sport has always been it's like we just have these incredible stories if you just dive into them a little bit and get outside of like the top three in each class each weekend there's still stories like Imagine if you could get Western Pike. Yeah, (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like people really love that side of the sport, maybe more than the racing, maybe more than riding themselves. Yeah, as professional sport, those storylines are what makes it For sure. And you guys have such a commitment and such an investment into that. And it's been exciting over these last couple of weeks, like slowly watching that roll out. Mm. And it's, you know, we're just getting started really. I mean, when we have races this year and we have our own content and we have all these guys on the track at the same time, you know, that'll, that'll change the game. You know, it's been, we've been really lean on content because we obviously haven't, we haven't even had Ozx open races for the last couple of years um, due to COVID. And, and so we're just getting this whole, you know, world championship started. So as those storylines start to evolve and we'll, you know, we'll obviously make sure we capture those and tell those stories. We're, you know, incredibly passionate about that, as you said. So that's what I'm excited about. See yeah. all those guys there. How's this going to interact? Like, you, you know, you're putting, you're also putting all these different cultures and people together in a melting pot that haven't all been together. Yeah, that's in, a good you know, point. There's too. a lot of Americans for sure, and they all have. But then there's two um, Aussie teams. There's a couple Aussie teams, Euro two teams. French team, yeah. an Italian team. You know, I don't know what if one, two of the countries that that really hate each other, yeah. and then in all, I don't know. Like, but I think that's what's exciting. There's obviously these European riders that haven't done. You know, that, they've raced Supercross in their own country. Um, but I also believe in what is exciting is that racing internationally like this um, is a great leveler because, you know... Oh, I think so too. You, you've had to race... To make it in Supercross, you've had to race in the US, which means you've got, to, you've got to move your life there, move your family there. You've got to find new networks and places to ride and things to go. If you watch any of the content being put out currently on, um, you know, WSX Championship, the... Um, any rider outside the States and their practice facilities and what they're riding with is substandard compared to the US. I mean, we know that the US has the best, you know, facilities in the world for this kind of thing. It's just, as a sport, it's far more advanced. There's just infrastructure. The infrastructure's there, the tracks are there, the watering systems are there, and it's awesome. And, you know, in Australia, I I can't think of one supercross track that you can pay and go ride at to practice mm. not one i don't and i don't believe in i don't know of any in any of the other regions that we've been talking to either in the u.s like when i first ever went there in the you know mid 2000s i was just blown away that you could ride during the week i was like i can't believe you can go to like star west on a tuesday i'm like yeah, what yeah, that's insane yeah, yeah. but they've had that this whole you know for many many years um and so the sport is on a whole another level but i think by everyone being in their own comfort zones and coming from their own country and everyone coming you know there's no doubt that that 
people i mean cardiff's a, you know a great leveler because no one really races in wales that that much in not supercross anyway so who's going to be able to adapt the quickest and who's going to get used to that who's going to get used to the the climate the food the place you stay and it being outside their comfort zone i think is really exciting and then the mentality of people knowing that there's only a few like real good guys yeah so and i think that there's a difference of like if you're a random French dude that's gone to America for the first time, you're just going to get swallowed. Yeah. You're I get mean, we've seen amazing the... riders from Australia that yeah. do that too. Like Lawrence's, for example, and what they're doing right now is an anomaly, as was Chad Reed at the day. Like, But we've had some amazing riders go to the US trying to, like over the years, forever, trying to find somewhere to ride, trying to find someone to let them on a track or trying to get the right bike support or get what they need. Like, it's really tough. But in this case, it's 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 level. Yeah, everyone's going through that same thing. Yeah. Is there a plan for you guys to invest in some infrastructure going forward? Because I know that that was something that you guys wanted to do in Oz, mm. um, but then obviously the the COVID thing kind of yeah um, squashes some of those plans. But is there infrastructure plans that you have in mind? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's been thrown around you know how we can do that, and it's definitely a long term you know plan and how we ensure there's at least a you know practice facility in each of the regions and you know um, some of the discussions and some of the regions have been specifically about that how do we build the local talent and give them an opportunity to to um you know to make it into world supercross i mean australia and france are obviously the two of the biggest in the world that have the best opportunity compared to others but there's other regions again really abstract regions at supercross there may have been races of some sort but there's not you know india for example like they have it they actually have a supercross championship that in india yeah um can you google that group yeah um and the, the tracks aren't this aren't the same standard as what we have here and you know so well brazil just had the arena cross yeah that and argentina has a and really strong championship unreal yeah. i was pretty surprised actually yeah. i'd love to go do that next year yeah supercross um yeah argentina has a strong championship brazil has a strong bang championship. play this play that top one let's go <laughs> That's it. Supercross India. Yeah. <laughs> Fast forward through it. Let's see if we can get, get, get to, to some the... track track action. This is dope. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with this. Yeah. Maybe I'll go race this next year. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, like Indonesia's had, you know, yep. different kinds of motocross slash supercross over the years. This ain't that bad. Nah. I mean, it, it's surprising, right? And again huge region it's got grandstands huge region billions motorcycle, of people. motorcycle sales massive growth potential you know yeah no that's that's awesome i think yeah like if there was some kind of um yeah like you've got a french track that's open mm. you know that's controlled by this body and if you've got you know whatever totally. there's a way to kind of get into it yeah um but totally. i think that you know you look at the ufc that was an instrumental part of their success they spent a lot of money on a um the us the, the tpi so it was like mm. the performance institute or whatever for the ufc and their the athletes it's just an open ticket like if you're a if you're a, on the ufc roster or a friend of the ufc you can go in there and train so good. they've got like sports massage i mean obviously that's on like a pretty hectic level mm. but i mean that model then they did the same in uh like shanghai i mm. believe they did one um and then there was one that they did in uh, mexico city i'm pretty sure so they kind of like picked these regions where they put 
a, a TPI and you can just see the level and then the talent and, you know, mm. it becomes like a hub for people. And even, I mean, you have that as like a, a way for people to come into the sport that aren't even riders. You yeah. know, like those totally. need to be staffed and there's there might be people from Mexico City that just frost Supercross. So it's mm. like they want a doorway into the industry. Like, I really think that if you get creative and almost a bit like fuddy-duddy, woo-woo, like hippie love about it all, it's like you can really see the way in which like this can just bring so many people. And it's one of the cool things about you go to a Formula One race and there's mechanics from all over the world. And then you go, you know, you're in the Ducati garage and then there's like all of the Italians are there, Um, you know, and then you've got the French teams and you like, it it is a cool vibe, um, you know, that you can get out of that. But I definitely think that investing uh, over time in some kind of facility where it's like, there's two tracks side by side, there's access, these are the date, you know, um, that it's something that can elevate because that's got to be one of the biggest barriers for entry is just track Big, time. Massively. That's the biggest one by far. I mean, yeah, you just certainly have to look right here in our, in our, in our backyard, you know, um, Southeast Queensland has a huge, one of the hugest populations for motocross. Yeah. But there isn't one track that if you want to get into supercross, say you're a 14, 15 year old kid and you, you, you know, you, that's the way you want to take your career. Like, what do you do? Mm. You got to call up someone that's got a track it could likely be someone you got to race against and say, hey, can I come and ride at your place? Mm. That that needs to change. It's something over time that we'll definitely be be looking to be involved with. Yeah. Um, Griff, can you go back to that, uh, the SX Global Instagram? Just have a look at a few more. Have you got any time you got to be out of here today? Or I'll have to get out pretty soon. Yeah, no, that's all good. Um, yeah, I was just going to have a little, little scroll through. Oh, dude, so yeah, we need to talk about Cardiff and Tomac and Kenny. Yeah, click into that first one. I don't know, I can't share all my secrets. With yeah, you. so I like this. And and this is another... Turn down, I gotta get this one. I gotta know, what's up? Are, are you bringing... Um, oh, no, I'm alright, I'm alright. This is a, another cool, um, I guess, like, piece of content because it's like you just... You, you're not really seeing... And it's not like a... This isn't like, oh, you do, Feld doesn't do this. But in no. terms of like, um, you don't see Jace Owen getting like this level of... Mm. Um, you know, like a media push from the other series because there's just other superstars, you know. Mm. But it's like I've known this dude for a long ass time. Like he's always been a super cool guy. Yeah, he's cool always character. been super fast, and it's like he's never really had, you know, like this level of of exposure. And it's like he might be a guy. You want to stop that for? Us? Um, he might be a guy that again you add in that whole factor of. I actually have a chance to get on the box here. There's mm. like plus there's a bit of cash that, that's there if I do it. So I think that that whole concept of like seeing these new making stars out of these new people, it's kind of already at play, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And and like the French guys, I mean, for example, like um, so I'll take, you know, Thomas um, Ramet, for example, on the GSM Yamaha team. Like I saw him race at the Paris Supercross last year and he was legit. Like he's mixing it up there with Chad and guys there again in his backyard yeah comfort zone you take him to the u.s you know completely out of his comfort zone you know it'd probably be a different story so that's why i'm excited to see what happens because it is a leveler and we'll see you know who can adapt the quickest and you might see guys compete at a higher level than yeah. you would expect yeah. um so i think it's cool it's just interesting and like i said it's different so uh cardiff first round uh coming up in the first weekend of of october october 8th yeah um a ticket still available for that one yeah 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 it's um how ticket sales been going for them yeah good really good i think um 
you know, we'll have over 30,000 in Cardiff and we'll have, oh, I mean, 50,000 over two days in Melbourne, yep. um, which, you know, will far exceed, you know, the AusX Open, which was, um, you know, the biggest the biggest Supercross we've had in Australia. So it's definitely going on the, the right track. Um, I mean, particularly, you know, the UK has gone through a lot lately. I mean, the, yeah, they, yeah. they've had a cost of, um, cost of living crisis. They've had this Brexit thing and they've obviously had their prime minister dumped and then they've now the queen's just passed away you know like we got to adapt to all of that now messaging has to be conscious of all that too so yeah. it is it's unique you know when you're operating internationally to think about all their factors and how that country is is at the moment so we're, we're really stoked with it it's an amazing stadium um what stadium is it in can you just pull that up Griff? it's called principality stadium you'd be able to spell that <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's I instead of E. No, no, principality, all one word. Liberty, principality, yep. A-L-I-T-Y, stadium. Yep. Stadium, there it is. Bang. Let's have, oh, that looks sick. Yeah, it's, a, it's an awesome stadium. Um, wow, know, so who plays of, there? Home of the Welsh, you know, Welsh rugby team. Yeah, right. Which is, you know, it's obviously their biggest sport. Yeah. Um, they just had World Speedway there. That oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where I've seen the, that stadium. Yep, yeah. Okay. That's it there. I mean, it's a beautiful stadium. Are you guys facing the same, like, logistical challenges of Melbourne, or is this one a lot easier to deal with? I don't think anywhere could be as hard as Melbourne, to be honest. With, with <laughs> <laughs> like, the weight restrictions on the oh. floor and all that is just insanity. Oh, it's insanity. Has it been the same this time? It is, yeah. It's a, it's a really... I mean, we've obviously done it before, so we proved ourselves, but before 2019 we had i mean basically 18 months of engineering and planning and proving that we could deliver this without a machine falling through to the floor into the car park below (laughs) and so um so it's a lot easier the second time around but but in this one um no because they've obviously had speedway and the things there is there's you know turf considerations as there is with all of these venues and costs associated with the turf because of the time frame that we're coming into which is um you know in the soccer season as well so that's the other thing with you know operating on an international level is that um you know in the uk for example you know the premier league just started like that's a you know it's enormous there it's, yeah, it's so big it drowns yeah. out everything yeah so to go to certain regions in certain countries depending on what the soccer season's doing or you know um nfl in the us or or baseball or whatever you know there's all these different considerations depending on where you go um so it makes you know finalizing a schedule challenging because yeah. there is so many considerations i mean here um you know marvel stadium you know they play a lot of afl they have tons of concerts yeah and, massive for concerts and we um you know we've also seen that post covid globally there's a backlog of concerts because there was two years of um, this is a challenge we didn't foresee really there's been two years of no concerts so mm. major promoters live nation and you know frontier and all these other you know big international promoters have been as soon as the world opened up concert 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 and just backing them up yeah, yeah. you know like harry styles is playing a principality stadium you know like <laughs> like the if you're supercross and world supercross regardless of being world supercross like you ain't gonna get priority over ed sheeran or yeah, um, harry styles, or harry styles yeah. particularly not in the uk yes <laughs> so you know like but that's that's just the way it is at the moment and you know as um over the next year or so as that kind of levels out i think and things normalize it'll the stadium availability will be less of a challenge than it has been. Yeah. And so do you see yourselves going into the US to race in stadiums in the US? At some, t- at some point. I mean, yeah. again, we're not, 
we're not wanting to ignore the US fans. We want to bring them on the journey and offer a different product than what's there currently. Um, you know, so it's definitely it's definitely a plan. And to be to to come in and be offering a different product is that's that's why we want to go there. There's a huge amount of fans. Supercross is it's the birthplace of Supercross. It's where you know the Americans built this into what this incredible sport that it is today. We 100% want to celebrate that and be there with them to bring them on the journey with us too. Um, so it's definitely a priority in the in the you know not too distant future. So what's the uh, the point of difference? Like so for people that have been to an AMA, so like people have been to Anaheim one. What's different if like say they go to Cardiff? What's a different that what makes the product different? Well, I think the entertainment package is different, and what we yeah. what we do is different in terms of the way we roll out the show elements and how it's combined i mean in the uk for example we've also we've got um well in both regions we've got major music artists we've got um aj tracy in the uk who's their biggest rapper he's massive there performing um in the middle um we've got uh you know freestyle motocross integrated in and, and the pyro and lighting and music is you know throughout is quite different um and the focus put on those entertainment and production elements is 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 different um obviously the the racing and the riders and the teams and that component is different. And we think that that adds a different element and a change because also they're not qualifying to race in the main at the end of the night. So mm. those riders are, you know, featured throughout the entire program. So the formats are completely different, um, even different than what we've had in Australia where we've still had heats and the last chance qualifier to get to, you know, the, the um, back-to-back race format, um, you know, so this will be even different than that. Because and so what is the exact format? Like how that'll be going down? So there's still a heat at the start of the night. Um, and then from the, the top five from each heat in each class, um, so from in the WSX class goes to a super pole, um, which we've had in Australia for yeah. a number of years, um, where they do one hot lap to, to be the gate pick. Um, and then um, the top, uh, so the top 10, you know, with five from each heat go to that super pole. And then from there, they go to the um, three main races back to back. So three race format back to back. There's short, the t- there's two short ones and then a longer one. Not, yeah. a, um, But there's still short races, five minute gap in between. And they all score championship points as well. So it means that, you know, the races are going to be shorter and sharper. The racing is going to be closer. Um, and, you know, you're going to have to be on the whole night as opposed to, you know, they don't for those, there's a lot more racing for those top riders than what they're used to. Like yeah. who would, they would normally do a heat race, you know, a couple of hours and then come back and do the main at the end of the night. In ours, it's like, you know, um, full on throughout the whole thing. Yeah. So from a fan's perspective, I think it, it offers something really different and it'll shake up the, the way the results play out too. Yeah. So from a, do you have any like overarching like thoughts on, let's say, like for me, one of the big things for Supercross 2022 this year was just like really seeing how fucked up the tracks got. Um, and it seems to be like a real problem that a lot of guys like Anderson especially was talking about. Like just they were fucked, like all of them. And it was gnarly. I mean, like Anaheim 3 when it was him and Tomac. I mean, maybe we even spoke about this last time, but there was just like that had that one whoop section where it was pretty much just like, you're just fucking going for it and it's like if you want to win tonight you just have to not care that you could absolutely fucking cartwheel through these things yeah and it's like of 20 of the best guys in the world two dudes put their hand up and then 
one of the dudes bowed out halfway through the main, the other guy won. And it's like, there's a certain level of like, that's pretty fucking badass. Like that's Jason Anderson was the best dude on that night. But then the flip side of that coin is, this is really dangerous. <laughs> like this guy's going to get really hurt. And uh, I was actually talking to Casey about it. And if there's anyone that I listen to when it comes to two-wheeled motorsports, it's Casey Stone. Understandably. And, uh, and he, he has made a suggestion of going to like a controlled rear tire that is, you'd have some kind of, more like a dirt track tire because hmm. like those knobs that are on the, like it's the width and Just, the height of yeah. the knobs. That's what's ruining the tracks, the right? power in the bikes. And you've, you're adding crazy powerful bikes with these gnarly tires and a really finite amount of dirt that, you know, you're going to get through really quickly. Is it, I, I, like you, there's so many ways that you guys are trying to change the sport and are going to change the sport. But do you think that there's something that we should like really be looking into when it comes to tracks and maybe like go like that would be pretty against the grain if you guys decided to do something like that or even try it. I mean, I don't know why it's not something where manufacturers or like Feld can't get together and just say like, Hey, we're changing the tires where, or like they do some testing with a, a company and they go, all right, this actually doesn't fuck the track as, as much as these other tires do. And then go, all right, it's not maybe a controlled tire. Each brand will be able to make their own, but you've got the knobs can only be X amount high and spaced apart this far mm. on the, on the rear tire. And then it's like, that adds another, I guess it's like another element of storyline in a sense, but I really think that that would go quite a long way, especially in the whoops to yeah. just really stop that. Cause you just, it seems like we can't get away with it. And every year it gets worse and worse. So it's like, I mean, are you guys even thinking in that vein or it's probably just too early at this point? It's like, well, let's get a couple rounds going. No, nah, we definitely do. I mean, I hadn't thought about it in terms of modifying the tires, to be honest. I think that's a really unique, um, way to look at it i think you know it's hard because you, you obviously did to, to destroy the track less than you're taking traction away which you know but those dirt track tires have crazy traction do they yeah i mean yeah like insane traction really yeah. okay well i mean i don't know that anyone's ever tested it and if they did i mean it, you know it'd be interesting to know what the result is it would be really cool to actually run a test on it and i think that I, i'm not saying a dirt track tire is like you just get everyone to go and buy them like i feel like there should probably a be a super cross specific tire with general dimensions that you just can't um you can't go without you know if we do this are we going on the record and are you looking for some sort of finder's fee no, it's a pretty no. good idea <laughs> well it's casey's idea okay we talked about it for like 20 minutes so <laughs> maybe there's something that, that no but, i mean it's interesting but yeah we definitely think about it i think First and foremost, we are wanting to build... We're leaning on Jason Baker a lot from Dream Tracks too. That's dope that he's doing the Yeah, tracks. and he sees that too and agrees with that point. So how do we build them in such a way, you know, um, that, that, that reduces the wear and tear and keeps them even as much as possible, whether they shrink, but, you know, we're sort of leaving that to him. I mean, yeah. safety is a huge focus for us and you know it can only be so safe because it's yeah, still exactly. supercross and we yeah. you know contrary to, to, to some of the things that have been put out there it's going to be legit supercross and they're not arena cross tracks these are no. proper full-size supercross tracks with whoops with triples with rhythms with everything but we are building them and, and leaning on jason to build them with safety in mind as best as is possible for what's making a dangerous sport safer 
And one of the things he just said is just consistency with the sizing, consistency with the build and the shape, and that's how we'll we'll help combat some of those things. But I mean, everything from from like what you've discussed there, or synthetic whoops, or you know, yeah. I don't know. We would we would think anything that that a makes it safer, but really, again, it all comes down to entertainment is yeah. number one, and and safety also helps entertainment because you keep the depth of the field throughout the racing 100 percent, and it means that like the whole season is stacked full you yeah. know and you want to have less drop off like one of our main things is how do we make sure that we have less drop off in injured riders like that's yeah. super important you're going to lose some riders because it's a very dangerous sport and you can't you can't steer away from that too much but um how do we reduce it as much as humanly possible so that we maintain the depth of the field throughout the entire season and that's something that we're we'll be constantly trying to trying to look at and well, i think there's i think some people and so, uh, like like to make tracks super tech because you know there's an ego thing and i get that it is to see those guys tackle a track like that is amazing and as as you know um and and that it definitely shows their ability which is incredible but from an, if you put entertainment and fans first, you know it's not necessarily it being super tech that to the naked eye you don't know how difficult it is, but it is, you know, it's separating the field so much. I don't think is necessarily a good thing. Well, and I actually think it almost goes a little bit deeper in a sense too, because from the uh, at a first glance you would think that riders crashing out of the series is what kills that depth, but I actually think it even goes a step further than that because there's a point in the season where everyone's doing the math and they know two dudes can win. And even if, like, I think you even see it with guys like Kenny, Coop this year, like you see guys where they're like, all right, I'm out. I'm out of the Supercross Championship. I ain't going to win races. I ain't going to risk it. Like there's incentive for Eli and Ando to risk it every single weekend. And there's an incentive for Chase Sexton to risk it every single weekend. But as soon as you're out of that championship race, you're backing off. Like, you're just not going to send it in the way that you would if there was a million-dollar championship bonus on the line or a $100,000 bonus check for that night on the line. And I think that by taking some steps that would, like, radically increase the, the safety in terms of, like, a track breaking down as a main event goes on, I just think you're going to actually keep more guys in the mix. Um, so I think that's maybe like a little bit of a silent killer, you know, like you mm. could just slowly see guys that just aren't going to go for it in the same way. And, and I do, I do agree with the people that's like, it should be gnarly, you know, like you get Chad and you get the guys being like, make the fucking whoops big. It's like, all right, well, you're one of three people that can actually do it. So I get it, but we also can't listen to you. Yeah. <laughs> like, you have a skewed, your yeah. opinion fucking <laughs> isn't relatable, bro. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I think that um, you see in like Formula One, MotoGP, the track's not, there's not some gnarly section. No. The guys very are consistent. doing. It's, That's it's what's the, very challenging about the sport, right? The degree it changes lap after lap after lap. Which it, is awesome, but it yeah. can go to a point of diminishing returns. Exactly, and I yeah. think that you really run up against that point of diminishing returns in conjunction with people's championship hopes or you know race win aspiration it's just not there in the same way i think you can see it in motocross i think you can see it in supercross happens every single year and i think that if you there's enough i think one thing that wsx has that's great is there's enough incentive for the prize money on a night that there's more incentive but you think about like you round nine of the supercross series the whoops are just 
fucked. There's holes in every up ramp. Like, it's just Death City. And then you're not getting prize money at the end of the night or it's like a couple grand. Mm. <laughs> nah, fuck, my crypto probably went up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's the, the, the incentive is just not there to keep racing at the same level. And, you know, you yeah. won't. And how many guys do you, you watch in the first six or seven rounds of the AMA? And I'm done. Yeah. You know, like, you're I think just kind of over it. Yeah, and I think there's the balance of tech because you want to you want enough to separate the best but you also want them to be able to race the track and be focused on racing the track and racing it closely if you're trying to not survive the track <laughs> yeah. then you're you're unable to race it at the level that you that you could which which means that you're unable the racing is going to naturally spread apart because you've got people that are constantly just focusing on surviving the track as opposed to racing hard yeah and that's the balance like the guys that it can do both are obviously the best in the world and the eli's and the jasons and and of the world they're the ones that can do both which is an incredible skill um an underrated skill but 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 um you know we got to get that balance as well and what we're trying to set out to do is how do you make the tracks tech that so it still separates the best from the best and you need that um but that they can still race hard you know and and having the power of the 450s really did change you know that years ago compared to the two strokes it just didn't destroy the tracks at the same rate you know so you know we have to adapt to suit that yeah that's that's one of the things you know we'll have to test and learn and but you know there's no better person in the world than jason uh, but jason baker to make that happen yeah no and it's cool too like i think to see people get a shot like i mean he's been one of the best track builders in my opinion for the last 10 years i mean more and you know every single year we would go to florida for the off season to film all the guys over there doing their boot camps and who was the guy that was building the tracks you know and and it's like and it's not to take away from the dirt work it's dirt works that do it over there now it's not to take away from them but i think that you know there's so many people in this industry and again i think this is this larger point of why this is good is it's like it's not like dirt work sucks. No, nah, not at all. But They're it's amazing. not like Jason Baker should never have the chance to build a supercross track that the best in the world race against. And I think that one of the um, what what it does is it's just competition. Yeah, these tracks great. start being a little bit better. You start seeing in in his mind, and then it makes the dirt works guys step up their game a little bit. And I mean, as much as you know, they like with everything that's going on it's like feld has finally paid more money and mx sport like it's, it's been it's been around a while you know like we've been doing the same you know the same thing and it hasn't really changed and i think that that's where so much of people's like frustration even you know the riders frustration has come in is it's just like shit hasn't changed man and there's no. a reason why things don't change it's called monopoly mm. you know when you don't have to change like it's the there's an old I, I think about this just for my own personal life all the time is that the goal of a system like if you get look into like computer sciences and the, in that like that world like the definitions of of systems it's like a system's goal isn't to constantly evolve and con- that's that's something that you have to like write in but at a, like a foundational level a system just wants to stay a system and I think that you can see this in political life. I think you can see it in your own habits as a person. I think the way that you think, like it's it's not this built-in thing that you just keep getting better and better and better. What is the drive that makes you want to do better as a person? What's the drive that makes a business want to do better? It's competition. Like mm. that's why we live in a capitalist society. And we, we 
we've got into this weird space in a bunch of places in just the world in general where it's like these companies or these organizations they have like this crazy monopoly and then they get to a point where there's no other competition and then therefore there's no incentive to change and there's no incentive to innovate and and like we've seen that and it's not i think i've come across as like i always want to knock what people are doing or i'm trying to like knock felt it's not the case but it's just like a simple acknowledgement of like yeah cool now shit can there's a chance that shit can change because there's just someone over here that's going to force that person over there and you know it's the same in like every market and then it's almost like through this whole situation we've just forgotten what like literally our entire western economy is built on and i think that there's just so many little examples like jason baker fucking oath he should be building supercross tracks he's going to do some really great shit that these guys over here might not have thought of or might not done and jason baker is going to piggyback off everything that those guys have done you know so it's like this is a good thing this is the kind mm. of you know if you look at a, a an ecosystem or an environment like this is what you need like things get better when they respond to change yeah totally uh, and competition is a is a great thing right like uh, to your point it pushes everyone to be better you know and i think if if we achieve nothing at all but improve racing around the world then that's a huge achievement and we'll be happy with that you know yeah. um if, if if the sport evolves and grows off the back of what we're trying to do then awesome you know and if we give it absolutely everything that we can and it doesn't work we gave it everything we can but that's you know that's why you do things is because you don't like to be stagnant and because yeah. you believe in you believe in a vision and you want to push everything in your in your powers to try and make something happen and that's why you do things you know you embrace the process of doing what what you believe in and pushing and that's the rewarding part it's not yeah. about having a certain size event or a certain ticket sales or a certain profit or or anything like that because that kind of thing you know, it's not fulfilling long term. Yeah, 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 but if if you are on a mission because you believe in a mission and that's what you're you're wanting to continue to evolve and grow, you know, personally as well. I mean, th- this year, you know, has been hard, but it's been the best professional development year of my career. You know, yeah. my life by such a long way. You know, like such a long way. So I'm very cool. very grateful for that for what I've been learning day in day out and i'm very grateful of the people that i get to work with to learn from you know and and bounce things off so that in itself has been a fantastic opportunity regardless of the success of the business in the future and i think the sport is the same way as and you're right some people don't like a change in the system it's like you know my my wife does it all the time where she'll move my phone charger and take it and put it somewhere else i'm why did you move it i like it there i like it to know that it's there every night so when i go to bed that's a she's just like what's the big what's deal the big deal bro? but i'm like it's important to me and yeah. so i i understand that people don't like that and it makes it makes people uncomfortable particularly if you know they're they've worked themselves into a great position within the current yeah, system yeah. I, I get that 100 percent. but for growth and evolution and for us you know as a as a as a a, a sport to grow like changes the change is a good thing and it'll it'll help encourage all people around the world again to be i think re-energized you know whether it be championships in individual countries that are thinking hey we might have a championship round here that yeah then their yeah, riders yeah. get in, get get you know enthused to be able to work hard and go what if supercross well, comes it gets comes more here? local events off the ground because yeah. people are like hey we'll build up our series like it's exactly. a viable i think that a cool thing is that for people that don't know that are listening to this, Friday night at Marvel is the Australian Supercross Championship and yep. then Saturday night is the WSX Championship. 
So, I mean, that's a fucking great model in itself as well as like here where this overall umbrella company of like the world championship, we want to come to these countries, get your events up to scratch and then we do this same plug and play model. And then you're, again, it's just like lifting. It's like more lifting people up from yep. the bottom, you know? Exactly. And that that is the reason for doing it in Melbourne. You know, we wanted to have um, the, the Australian Supercross Championship compete at that round um, because it is a it's a test case for being able to do that around the world and going to other regions and say, if you've got a domestic championship, um, you know, there's obviously a European championship, there's a French championship, India. there's there's India, like we discussed, there's um, there's ones in Asia, that, there's one in Brazil, in Argentina, like there's Supercross championships around the world. If we can find a way to integrate them into the world championship um, and those categories, whether it be as support classes or part of their championship round, like it is in Australia, um, and mix that with like Friday night in Melbourne still has the world championship riders in their first practice sessions. And there's quite a lot of practice and timing with them on the track and the ability to sort of watch them do their thing. And, um, you know, I think that's a way that we can help bolster the sport in these other regions. And again, it just energizes the rest of the, those championships and all these, and all these, um, these domestic rounds to be, to go in like, we want to step up our game. We want to be ready for when WSX comes into town. Exactly. Yeah. And that, and then those teams hopefully get energized and the manufacturers get behind them more. And, you know, yeah. that is the rising tide floats all boats mentality because it's just like if we lift the, the, the level, like I can see, and I have seen it firsthand here, how the Australian championship and the riders within that particularly, like well, where are we going to be racing in Marvel in front of the world championship teams and in front of the world championship yeah, riders? Yeah. Like, we gotta I'm, I'm going to bring my A game. Yeah. I'm not, you know what I mean? Like, you know, um, and it, it will help them provide opportunities. So we've got to do that around the world. And that's our, that's part of our mission, right? If we're going to lift the sport around the world, then we have to work with them, yeah. bring them in and, and, and provide them, you know, the support and the motivation to, to do that. I think one of the things as well is that all of this is really ambitious. And I think that the average person in my experience is probably isn't this ambitious. And I mean, uh, Bill Gates has this awesome quote People overestimate what they can achieve in one year and underestimate what they can achieve in five. Mm. And I mean, I just think it is so true. Uh, and I've seen it in my own life, especially with this podcast, you know, like you think what you're going to do in a year and you're like, I'll do this, I'll do that. And then like fucking 12 months down a track, you got 2000 subscribers on YouTube and you say, like, oh, fair enough. Yeah. But then you look at five years and it's bigger than you could have ever imagined that, that it could be. I think yeah. people just need to have that mindset when it comes to this as well it's like five years from now we none of us know where this series could be yeah you totally. can't even look into a crystal it'll still be going mm. but you could not imagine i mean even you know to have eli tomac and ken roxon at the first round of this thing in cardiff that's crazy mm. like it's literally crazy so imagine where we're at five years down down the road and it's like it's it's even now in my life with like planning and the different you know things that we're going to do i feel way more relaxed about it because i feel like i've got that five year you know like i've done the five year thing yeah. like oh that is that is true so now i don't know to me like all these ideas it just it doesn't seem crazy to me that in five years brazil has an epic championship and WSX has been at their biggest stadium three years of those five yeah maybe it's two years until that tide starts to come in for them but it's like what's two years in mm. the you know like it goes by oh, like exactly. that and that's 
it's why it's super important you know this is a you know broad business statement but it's super important to keep your eyes on what your goal is and your vision is rather than looking mm, you know right at now. your feet at right now because you know there's there's always going to be talk and if you're trying to do something that changes anything you get there's going to be naysayers and there's going to be people that think you're stupid and social media allows people to have that voice and say this is dumb it's never going to work and etc etc but you know, if you genuinely believe in that yourself that it can, and you genuinely are passionate about that, then you're looking far further ahead. So naysayers and things right now don't affect me at all because I, I know that the vision isn't for this year. Yeah. You know, of course this year we're excited to have a couple of amazing events. We're going to start to prove ourselves and that's exciting, but the vision is what this can become and what it can do for the sport around the world. And, and to be able to look back in time and say, you know, we made a positive impact and, and, and look at all the fans and look at the families and the kids loving what we do. Like that's, that makes me emotional thinking about that because that's what's really important. And look at these riders getting these awesome opportunities from all around the world yeah. and, and, and what the sport is today. These guys are mega stars and they're celebrated. That's what I dream of. And that's, that's the dream of our team. I think we're all feeling that same way. Um, whereas people, when you're in a surface level stand back, they look at yourself and go, how did he get, you know, like, yeah. how did he do that? Oh, yeah. yeah, I might start a podcast and then I should be at that level. No, man. And, you know, talk to Sammy Moore. Lots of times we oh, always laugh yeah. about the overnight success thing. Yeah. It's like Ten year overnight gr success. grinding yeah. and grinding and grinding and setback after setback after setback and naysayer after naysayer and people, it takes it takes time and you got to believe in your vision and just keep going and going and going and just be the most resilient person out there and I honestly believe it will happen. But yeah. it it goes for anything that you do. It just doesn't happen quickly. If you're looking for a quick win or a quick turnaround or expecting, you know, it's not right. You, yeah. It's not going to work. And you you have to, that's why you have to get into something that you're passionate about and love. Because it can keep you Because it's going to be a grind and grind and grind and you're going to get up and have people have said, this is going to fail, this is stupid. You know, like we've, we've experienced, you know, some pushback ourselves this year and, you know, you've got to love it and be so genuinely passionate about it. Otherwise, you'd be like, oh, well, you know, I'm out of here. Sucks. Like if yeah. I was trying to organize tennis tournaments and I had some pushback, be like, yeah, I suppose. Pretty dumb idea. I'll go do something Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't have that burning desire to yeah. make it work. Whereas yeah. in this case, like it literally is, you know, um, 24-7 on the mind. How are we going to make this work? What is it going to look like? And and you know, achieving any any obstacle that comes our way. So then, you know, you have that longer view and I think you can, you can withstand anything then. Yeah. So uh, TV-wise, uh, how are people going to be able to watch the these two races this year there's going to be a combination of of um, broadcast deals in each region and there's 70 different broadcast deals in regions and Damn. things that we'll we'll announce shortly um we've also got our own streaming platform um wsx tv that's tv that's coming out yeah. um and uh where each race sits depending on the region will we'll obviously be region specific that we'll we'll announce um so we've got a huge focus on that. You know, yeah. the broadcast, um, we brought on Nathan Prendergast, headed up broadcast for Supercars for a number of years. He won um, Logie Awards for that broadcast for Supercars. Like he's incredible at what he does. Um, we're really investing heavily in some some innovations to make the broadcast, you know, the best that's been seen for Supercross. Like honestly, that's what the goal is. Um, and making it accessible is so key, you yeah. know, again, for this we've to seen, grow globally. Yeah. Like... Uh, making it accessible is so key and yeah. it's a complex thing to work out because you've got different yeah. broadcast rights in different regions you know so and we've we you know we've witnessed firsthand what the backlash can be like with fans if they if they can't get the the access that they want um but it's challenging so we've got a huge focus on that to make sure that we can get you know eyeballs from all around the world 
and and um, we've got some amazing broadcast deals, amazing one to come out of the US, which I think is going to be fantastic for the sport. We've got an amazing, amazing um, crew in Jeff Emig and Ralph Shaheen. Yeah, um, super You know, cool. heading that up. I mean, those guys are, are, are legends of, of um, you know, what we do. So Ralph Shaheen is a really nice guy too. Yeah. Like you just sort really of kind nice. of want him like amongst the the project in general because he's like such a nice dude he's so professional like just brings a certain like level to it eh? oh such a level to it and again just uh, just genuine passion for it and so i find the the same thing with jeff you know he just such a uh such a genuine passion to want to see it you know succeed and uh, like everyone that is involved in this project from our team to our contractors and suppliers to our tv commentators to you know they all believe in it and everyone wants to see this be a great success and there's no negativity thrown out about any other series or any other thing like it's just not even on our mind what is on our mind is just making sure that what we do is the absolute best of our ability because that is all you can do whatever will happen will happen if we deliver amazing world championship events you know this year i'm sure we will and next year we'll have a much longer season and, and we'll have more locations and we'll do the same again and and continue to improve that's literally all that we can do yeah and so that's you know it's no different than an athlete just focusing on their training you know you don't worry about everyone else and just avoid the noise and and just keep after it so we missed anything you reckon just whether you're going to come or not yeah i'm still trying to figure that out i'm (laughs) really keen i'll need to be at that first event yeah totally i'd love to have you just history yeah it feels like i need to be a part of that history yeah but i'll see what's going on with the old uh, check the schedule mate yeah i know um so motocross nations this weekend yeah team oz you reckon we can win our first one god i I mean i you know we've had some a couple of amazing teams over the years obviously i mean but this team is really amazing (laughs) Mm. so god i mean i hope so it'd be incredible i mean i can't wait to see what jet does on the 450 i think it's going to be awesome i've seen some footage and i'm just like wow <laughs> ridiculous eh? uh how close were they to doing melbourne was the it probably was motocross nations that really or um was it they weren't on the cards or i guess maybe honda's stance probably yeah and i think you've seen like that statement went out and it just said they treat and wanted to treat all their riders the same and i think that's you know put an end to it mm. from the start um which was a real shame because so so honda shut it down from the start with the lawrence boys yeah so it just wasn't ever on the table no Okay. No, not really. Um, which was a bummer because for the, from a fan's perspective, like fans want to see these guys. They're heroes, you know. I thought it was really disappointing from the fans' perspective, it, yeah. uh, you know. Um, so that's the part that bummed me out about that. I know timing-wise there's challenges for them with regards to like jet riding this 450 for the yep. nations and there's definitely, you know, considerations which I completely respect. But, you know, selfishly as an Aussie and, you know, yeah. someone that wants to see them in our in our our own country i think that's a bummer yeah and i think uh you historically like to look at chad until you guys well i guess 07 08 for super x but it came and then it went and that's like the i feel like we lost a bit of the chad reed effect in australia and i think that he probably even felt that a little bit in his career um that he maybe didn't lose the aussie fans but I don't think it was the same level of support that you're seeing with Jet and Hunter now. Maybe I don't know if I'm off base in saying that, but the, sure. maybe the general feeling of that I got personally from maybe just the people that I interacted with, you know, mm. is that Chad was just super American. Yeah, you know? and Chad and, is a very different character and always has been. Where he's a very serious, like brutal competitor, which yes. is amazing, and people love that. 
but the Lawrences are lads. They're Aussie larrikin, and they have an Aussie larrikin and larrikinism flair yep. about them that we also love. Yeah. So they're just different personalities, I think. And 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 you know, I, Chad couldn't have cared less who anyone got in his way. Yep. He was going to trample him on the way to his success. And yep. I completely, I mean, love that about him. Yeah. You know, and that's what's exciting about seeing him racing now because yeah, he, he came, when he came out to yeah. do our PR launch, he said, "I'm I'm going out to win." I want to beat Kenny. I want to beat all of them. And I'm like, I love that about you. That is so cool. He's <laughs> yeah. not there to make up the numbers and just be like, oh, it's going to be fun to race again. No, nah, that's yeah. not how he works, which I love. The Lawrences are completely different because whilst I'm sure when they put their helmets on, they're that, that way also, but their characters are different. They've yeah. got amazing senses of humor. Like I think they're still kids, so you can relate to them. You know, like young audiences love love that about them. Um and so you know they they're very different, and they just I think that's why fans have just really got on board with their with their journey. Yeah, and, and I think that a, a part of that is like the connection to country, though. Oh, and totally. I, I think that you know, and and you're right. Like that is the reason. Like Chad, even it, it was kind of one of the cooler things to come out of the podcast with him was like him explaining that side of like I had to leave it all behind. Like I was trying to beat Ricky Carmichael. Mm. I was trying to beat James. That's all like, he cared about. I, and I love that. That's yeah. Awesome. And I don't, I don't think that messaging was across to the Australian fans, and that that might have played into it a little bit. Um, but yeah, I, I guess the the bigger point is like, seems like the Lawrences had a um, made it a point to kind of keep that connection like as much as possible. Um, and I think that yeah, there sort of has to be a way that those guys are able to race in their home country. I just feel like it's crazy, crazy important, and we've. I guess what I'm trying to say is, I guess we already seen it with Chad that it, that investment wasn't there because it couldn't have been there. It was made hard to be there. Also, there wasn't the races, but you did see a bit of a disconnect. And I think that the Lawrences, they, I just don't think that it's the move for them to follow that path because it's hard mm. to to get back and do those races. You know? Yeah, and, and you know, I mean, and Honda Australia is one of our partners, you know, for the event here. So I mean, they they obviously stand to gain by having those guys here and would love to have them have them here as with their Australian brands, you know, MX store, obviously Alpine stars in Australia and their other brands, you know? Yeah. So there's obviously there's other motivations as well to have them in the, in the, the home country, which, you know, obviously hope that from next year, you know, next year that changes. We hope so. And I, I think that's one of the, maybe the really, well, Kenny brought it up brilliantly when he spoke uh, with James is that like, don't you want me on a Honda? winning a world championship and going to these places like is that my job like if you zoom out and you go okay what is honda's incentive to be in this sport well if their best guy goes to these races interacts with fans wins races wins championships that will then sell more hondas like that's it yeah and i think it's really important you know honda's a global brand you know and the manufacturers are all global brands they're not you know, so they're not just in one country and not just in the US. So from on a global level, and when you look at what they having those guys, you know, in Australia, for example, what that does for the, the brands in that region and, and the same for other riders in other regions, etc., then I think that that should be considered. And I don't think it has been in this case. Yeah, it, it really seems like a bite your nose to spite your face kind of move. And, um, and then it, I think that, yeah, that's where I guess... It, it, I, <laughs> It honestly made me feel a bit better when all this shit came out because like I've been kind of half and on and I think people think I'm a dickhead at this point. <laughs> I'm like, all right, can we see that there's some fucking weird shit going on? I know. Like, it sho- I mean, you know. It was shocking for people. Yeah. Because of the, the reasoning we've always been told is testing time, yeah. budget. We know budget wasn't an issue because Kenny, you know, vocally said that he was going to pay for that 
pay for that stuff. Coop, it was the same with Coop too. Yeah, right. So, so I know Coop was like, I'll take care of it. Yeah. So, you know, and there was all, there's always been that, you know, sort of thing. To fall the, back on. Yeah. And that, that wasn't used this time, um, which, which, it, you know, I thought was really surprising. I was like, whoa, I didn't realize that was on the cards. Um, and, and yeah, then publicly to be on the cards. And it, it just, it makes me question like, and I mean, we know the answer to the question, but then it means that you can publicly ask the question and not look like a dickhead mm. is like, <laughs> well, what are you doing here? <laughs> like, who, who are you, right? Like, do you work for them? Like, do they, like, what, what's the relationship here? Because like you're globally Honda, it's a global product and you've got a national series that is holding a global brand hostage in a sense, but it's like they're in on it. So th that's where I'm, I'm like, all right, well, now that all this has come out, maybe I don't look so crazy, <laughs> but it's like now also, can, is that the question we can ask? Like, are you in on it? Like, do you work for them? Like, I thought you were the glo like a global brand and you, you got this guy that wants to go and win on your bike and these other places that you sell them. Mm. So yeah, the I whole think I think that's where we can continue to push that message about you know what we're doing. We see is a benefit for the whole sport. Yeah, you know, um, in all regions, including you know the US or anywhere else. Like it, well, our vision and our goal is not to take from anything. I just keep reiterating that fact because I think we didn't do a good enough job of making that clear at the start, perhaps. Yeah, and um, and that's why the us versus them kind of thing has seemed to have come out. Which, you know, I, I never wanted that. You yeah. know, when when we spoke to those guys, you know, all of the manufacturers and brands, which we did earlier in the piece, like I, I thought, you know, except for one or two meetings that didn't sort of go well, I think I thought at the time that the message was pretty clear. Hey, we don't want to take away from you. We don't, and we're also not asking anything from you. All we're asking is that you, you know, allow riders to compete. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um. So we got to try and fix that, you know, and I think I hope that we can do that because it's it's important. I think, like I said, it's the fans that lose, yeah. no one else, and yeah. the, and the riders because they have missed yeah. out on earning potential. So. Yeah, yeah, and I think that um, like over time that levels out, and I think that even you know to look into like the live golf crystal ball, I think the Cameron Smith, like that was just huge mm. i think that you know you got the guy like he won the open this year and was like mm, i'm done fucking let's go 100 mil was the reported you know show up and, and play fee <laughs> okay, so it's unbelievable it's great but fuck how could you not you know oh, no, it's, it's not like you guys are throwing that level of cash at, at these <laughs> guys but i mean for, i know deals that some guys are on and like it's just it's not you can't make it there you know yeah and here it's like you you've got an opportunity to do it you've got a lot more freedom you can ride whatever bike you want like all that you know all yeah. that sort of stuff um but yeah i think that you look at the way that it's going and i just think that there, there's there's like a tipping point for live where the pga will just have to be like all right whatever like we're just got to figure it out you know it might not ever be they might not ever be um you know ceos fucking going to strip clubs and hanging out together <laughs> but there's probably going to be a point where like those two brands are just going to have to coexist in a more peaceful and aligned way and i think my prediction is that it goes the same way like i think that i think that you see barsha with you guys next year i think that you see cooper or like let's say 24 like that 23 you know i, I really see guys going a more free agent route um and i think that then it's gonna it'll swing this way and then it'll swing that way and then it'll 
slowly find its center you know, it'll, it will and and it, i guess it's like you said you know like you just you can't look at your your feet through all of this and just focus on he said she said well that's my job <laughs> yeah yeah but uh you know like i think that over time it, it's just gonna play out the the way that it's gonna play out you know yeah and like i'm acutely aware that all of this depends on what the job that we do yeah and it's on us <laughs> yeah, like yeah, there's no yeah. other question if we do a great job and put on great events you know, this year, next year, and moving forward, then that'll influence people's decision, and it'll influence yeah. whether the manufacturers want to be involved. It'll introduce the, it'll impact the sponsors that want to be involved. It'll, it'll impact uh, the success of, of the teams and the rider opportunity. It's on us to deliver that. And I think what has been hard about this is that there's there's so much talk long before we've done anything. Yeah, and so. You know, in I'm a sick, sense, I, though, but yeah, it's one of the. I know we've that, had events before, but I just mean, I hate to, you know so much talk. Like I just want to get there and yeah, you know, do it. It's almost like a pre-fight thing where you're, just yeah. like, you're sick of talking about the yeah. fight. It's like I just want to fucking fight. Yeah, we just want to sh- just want to show what we can do, and I I personally love and embrace that pressure. Like I love that. That's the what I love about this the most. I love that it's on us and there, there's nowhere to hide. Yeah. And like, you know, I mean, if, if this thing isn't as successful as I think it can be, I've come out publicly and said it's going to be, then yeah. I don't know, what am I going to do? You yeah. know what I mean? Like I kind of love being backed into a corner where you have no choice but to succeed. And that's where I feel like we are. Um, so that that part of it excites me. And I think that we, we completely know that the onus is on us. Yeah. And then what will happen will happen. If we yeah. Right now we haven't done anything. We haven't shown anything or demonstrated anything really for people to, to have an opinion either way. Yeah. But as we as we do, then I think, you know, uh, I think, um, you know, we plan that the momentum will, will continue to, to build and that's what we're trying to do. I think it's important too that, uh, I know that there's a, a team of, of you guys, but like you're fairly public and you're like willing to come on here, willing to talk about um, everything in detail and like really give people an insight into, you know, what you guys have going on. I think it's one of the best things about Stark is yeah. that Anton is publicly willing to talk and he's engaged and you know like well because there's a that that's a, that's accountability and i think that in in anyone's life the more accountability that you can hump onto your shoulders and the more uh, accountability that you can carry that's kind of speaks to like the level that you're going to reach in something, I think. And I think that, you know, you look at, like I've said it before, there's like, there's no Mr. Yamaha and there's no Mr. Honda and, and you, you get lost in a little bit of the corporate structure. You don't like, who's the email go to, you know, like who do I complain to that gets this, you know, I'm angry at this thing where it's like, you know, you put yourself in the position where it's like, hey, this is Adam Bailey. He's got fucking Instagram. <laughs> you think he's a dickhead? Send him a message. Like, <laughs> I get, like, I get like, some interesting ones. Yeah, that's hard. Man. And it's like, it's the same for me, man. Like, it's just uh, a constant barrage of people telling me I'm a opinions. fucking idiot or I'm, I'm awesome at what I do. And like, you know, but there better be a way worse a problem than if no one cared. And I think what has been amazing about this and what has been great, again, character building for our team and 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 the motivator is that if we weren't going doing something that that people thought could really work no one would say anything and if no one said anything then it'd be like yeah. maybe we're not onto anything at all here yeah, yeah. you know what i mean if no one cared because they just thought laughed at us and thought you guys are a joke this isn't going to work then you'd start to be, be more worried yeah. i'd way rather be facing these challenges and facing these uphills and facing things pushback because it proves to me 
that there's a great opportunity in front of us. Yeah. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I, and I just think that there's something that's so important about the accountability. I think that the the direct line of communication, it comes with some struggles and it comes with some shit that like you've got to deal with. But then I also think that like it's very, very important. And I think that, again, you look at the UFC and it's like Dana White, I'm not saying you want to become a character in the soap opera that you know that it, it i love all, i love what he does there but it, it's unbelievable yeah and you know there's i feel like just when covid happened it was the perfect example he was just like i'm not fucking stopping look at all these people that have a job like no we'll totally. just figure out how to how to do it how to do it and it's like you when you've got a face that's like willing to stand there and like willing to talk and you know give that messaging I just think it's like it's super important and I and I honestly believe these days like they're the companies that that win you know um, and I think that it's one of the things I've said like I've never spoke to Dave Pratt I've never had a conversation with him at all I've messaged him on Instagram he has a message back but it's like I'm a fan like I want like he's a fucking massive part of the industry like in my mind like I'm interested to hear what he says like I want to hear the you know like transparency like give me the fucking juice like i'm a big boy i can handle it like <laughs> yeah. tell me what's going on i want yeah. to know yeah and i think today that's what people want these days warts and all like you know you know be brought on the journey and we you know we want to build you know a tribe of people around the world that are into what we're doing you know and i think the only way to do that is to bring them on the journey like this yeah. isn't just some walk in the park there's going to be struggles there's going to be things that are challenges we're going to make mistakes we've already made a ton up until this point and we'll yeah. make a ton more do you yeah. know what i mean like yeah. that's and there's no use hiding from that because that's a ridiculous concept in today's you know world of connectivity and and you know social media etc like you're better off to just face the things front on i loved like the ufc example again when they had to cancel the press conference oh, the other week, and the dana white just like so i'm, bu I'm bummed too you know <laughs> yeah, what i mean yeah. like which is true I and mean, we had to do the same when you know issues we've had in the past and um um it's kind of like i'm with you guys like this sucks <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. like it, it, there's no use hiding from that we we felt the same we planned to have a third round you know racing in asia th this year in indonesia and it just it, it it hadn't it didn't work the venue wasn't ready and it wasn't it would have been a mistake to go there and we just had to say i'm bummed too because i am really bummed yeah and i'm i'm just like you guys i'm a, I'm, a, I'm a fan first like i want this to be great and there'll be things that aren't great and we'll just have to say you know damn we made a mistake we admit it we own up to it like i think we've discussed the extreme ownership mm, book yeah like just practice that across the board like you know we could have done better i could have done better i'm going to try and improve next time and just be honest about that and i think hopefully people enjoy that and and come on the journey with us because so it is a part that's a part of the story right totally when you're starting anything new you know that's a completely a part of the journey and i think that people enjoy you know what's real as opposed to the glossy highlights you know um and assuming that everything's just just roses because it just isn't that's not that's not life and that's not business like you gotta overcome those things and and um and and kind of just continue to like i said before just keep looking into the future and keep pushing forward and believe in your vision and if you do that you know you just got to keep grinding away yeah and and dana white that was the perfect example of that press conference he's just yeah. like got someone in his ear and he's got the crowd doing <laughs> oh. he's standing on stage with all those people like live everywhere and then he's like yeah it's not gonna fucking happen <laughs> he's just like he's over it <laughs> but it's like i mean even in the the mistakes that i've made like i've made heaps of mistakes uh, on here i mean uh, one of the things actually i've I, uh, I haven't spoken about it at all yet, but I posted the clip about the Danger Boy claim thing. And it's like, I waited a week to post that. 
because I was like, I'll let a few more things come out. Like, because I, I knew a lot of the, the story that like wasn't being told as well. And so I, I had an opinion that went contrary to every fucking person on the internet. <laughs> like literally. And I knew, and like we said to the boys, like really? we're sitting in here and I'm just like, I'm going to get, go. I'm going to get reamed for this. Go to that video and just see how many comments there are. There's honestly, I've read them all. There's like six positives. So whatever this <laughs> number is, take fucking six off it. And that's how many negative comments. Uh, Not to mention my fucking, uh, my DMs that I got uh, from it. And like, People that were literally just getting so smashed. Go to the, um, yeah. So go there. Unpopular opinion. Go down. How many comments is there? Eight hundred and ninety-seven comments. So, so eight ninety-one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, people just <laughs> ripping on me, and it was gnarly, dude. Like there was people that were like, "Man, I've lost all respect for this channel." Like, oh, oh you're obviously fucking bored, and I knew that that was gonna happen, right? <laughs> And I just, I, I had this conversation with myself about it of like, I actually think it's probably better to go against the grain and instead of like living in a world and curating my life mm. to where if like... Your opinion's your opinion, be willing to say it. And that's why people will follow you, right? And, and that's why people are engaged in you because you're not just going to come on and say the vanilla thing every time if you don't agree. Yeah, and it's great. like, and I, and I hoped, I kind of hoped that message would almost get across a tiny bit by doing this but i think people just i don't think people looked into it far enough but it's like and i probably didn't articulate my point enough but it's like i was just sitting here on the other side of the world going huh a yamaha rider yamaha sponsored rider claims another yamaha sponsored rider's bike and his yamaha dealership goes nah i'm out Am I the only one that thinks that that's a fucking pretty normal course of action for a bird? Like, yeah. So that's kind of the the position that I took on it. But anyway, it was like you're wrong. I'm fucking pissed at you. For that. Yeah. <laughs> but I was just like, I'm posting this anyway because I feel like it's just part of like integrity and like I don't I don't agree with my mum. I don't agree with my dad. You know, like there's these people that I love forever, like completely, like unconditional love. Don't fucking agree with them. No, and it's just like, fine. we need to live in a, a world where like, it can actually be okay. And I sort of hoped when I did this, that people would be like, oh, okay, maybe, maybe like there is like some legitimate authenticity there. If you posted something that you would kind of piss people off. But I, I really think that it's actually worth just confronting things straight on exactly how you see them. Exactly. You know, like you guys with the Indonesia thing, it's like, fuck, it just can't happen. Mm. Like, what's the point of giving someone an excuse or pulling the truth from something like that? And in this case, it's like, what's the point of me just going like, ah, people won't like that. I, I won't I say won't it. Do it. It's like, just be fucking real, man. Yeah. I, and I feel and like pe people, most people like that. Most people really appreciate that, you know, and, and I just, I've never understood people that don't want to do that like just try and fabricate smooth sailing mm. and it's like and you could you could have made up excuses about indonesia and you could have put out a press release that you know pass and fucking blame or whatever mm. but it's like oh it's not ready we can't do it i'm super bummed about yeah, it totally and it's like and it's all part of the story you can use that next year when you do get there and yeah so it's like i yeah. agree i think um i've been reading a book and a book about um by the owner of netflix or the founder of netflix um, about their culture of like being brut of brutal honesty mm. and um, 
you know, one of the things is just confronting and disagreeing and just having making it okay to be completely honest and say, nah, man, you're wrong. I believe this and blah, blah, blah. And having like passionate debate. One of their keys to success is passionate debate within the workplace daily. Daily, if someone you underperformed, hey, you underperformed on this. I think you should have done this better or I disagree with you or this idea or that idea is wrong or whatever. You can obviously do things in a tact, in a, you know, with, with tact. Way, yeah. yeah, but yeah. but you know, there's nothing wrong with having different opinions and, and having passionate debate. I think that's fantastic. And what 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 we've done um, and what we are doing is creating a lot of that. Yeah. And I, ultimately, if 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 again, it does nothing else but you know, lift the sport and create interest and create you know um, debate in the right areas to help push the whole thing forward. Then I still think that that's and it's been a worthwhile exercise. Yeah, definitely. And I think uh, to build on that point a little bit too, like I say this to my partner all the time, like, mate, I fucking love being wrong. <laughs> That's just it. Because then instantly, as soon as you're wrong about something and you can recognize that you're wrong, instant chance to level up. Instant growth. You just totally. plug that hole, not leaking as much yeah, anymore. Yeah, it's like, great. Rather yeah. than like, six months later or years later find out that people thought you sucked because you did this or did that or you'd never said this or never said that and you're like man i could have fixed this six years ago yeah yeah a hundred percent and it's like just the i think people have a really skewed idea of like what being wrong is i mm. mean being wrong is an opportunity yeah in, totally. in my opinion and if you go through like you don't know what you don't know like that's the most fucked up thing uh about life is that you can go through it so unaware about simple things that you could do that by just n- knowing that you're wrong about something, take your ego out of it completely. Be okay with that. Yeah, be like, oh, f- that's fucking awesome. Like I think about like jujitsu or motocross technique. You should want to be wrong. <laughs> Even the best rider in the world should want to be that. wrong about something. Mm. You know, like Cooper Webb wasn't riding on his toes as much as like maybe a guy like Sexton. It's like maybe if you looked at it a little bit wrong cool like that's fucking rad you know how hard it is to be one of the best dudes in the world and then find an area that they could possibly improve on Mm. so it's like you know embrace people that are willing to embrace that fact and like embrace the mindset of like yeah i was wrong about that like we can move on from here yeah it's the mindset of constant improvement you know and that's what keeps you going and that's what keeps you pushing hard and that's why you know i think when you when you have that mindset then you don't dwell on the negative things or things that went wrong you're like yep you're right, that was wrong. And yeah. now we're going to change and going to adapt and move over here. And, and that's where we're at on a lot of things. Like I said, I'm very open, openly, you know, we'll say that we've made mistakes and haven't communicated things fantastic when we when we got this project started. Um, but admit that. Ah, 50 million bucks will do that to anyone. Mate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We just need 2 billion or something like that and then put all the problems away. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I think it it just it just you got just got to keep it in your character to to keep moving forward and and be improving, learning every day, whatever it is what you do. And I think that you know then the little the roadblocks and the things in the short term don't affect you so much. Yeah. So aiming for a Supercross companion at Marvel, I reckon we could pull that off. Yeah, awesome. That, that could be pretty pretty cool. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll definitely one hundred percent be at Marvel. Hoping to be at Cardiff as well. Um. But yeah, we'll we'll be doing our best to, I guess, give. I I think content wise for us, it'd probably be cool just to like give people a real perspective of what going to one of those one of these events is, you know, going to be like in the in the stadiums. Um, and then yeah, hopefully we can keep doing our bit to to spread the messaging and uh, 
bring some eyeballs to the series and it's just super excited for it. It's fucking sick that awesome. we get to see. Appreciate it. Just sucks it's not longer, bro. Yeah, nah, I know. <laughs> Next year we'll have we'll have some more news hopefully around then. Um but I mean that's the thing too, we're sort of building to get ready for this year, but in my days are mostly are mostly Next year. for next year yeah yeah so there's all there's there's plenty happening and it's exciting but a lot of work to do a lot of challenges a lot of things to overcome you know just got to keep uh keep trucking forward yeah and no, i mean this year to have just the two events but be this excited for two events like i can't wait until we're stacking a big bunch of these you know at the end of next year and we've just got like a whole new series to be you know like super invested in as fans yeah appreciate it mate legend come along we want you there no. Bring the gypsy gang. Yeah, I'm keen. Righto, mate. Enjoy. Get back to... Uh, Working. Yeah, killing it. <laughs> back in the grind. And um, yeah, pre- I appreciate you always coming on too. You've always got a, a seat here. And, um, appreciate it, mate. Yeah. No, you guys are great. And, you know, um, you speak your truth. And, and uh, I love that about you. So keep doing it. Right or wrong. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, mate. Cheers, mate. If you enjoyed this content, please like and subscribe. And to listen to the full three-hour podcast, search Gypsy Tales in your favorite podcast platform or click the link in the description below. Gypsy Gang.